everyone and welcome to Comics from the Multiverse episode 203. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? And Connor's here too. Yep, still going. DC Comics podcast, of course. We talk about DC Comics every week. We still have a relatively small amount of books this week. Uh, next week looks a bit more back to normal, but coming up on this week's show, we'll be talking about Deceased the Unkillables issue 3, Jimmy Olsen issue 10, Plunge issue 3, and the Dollhouse Family issue 6, which is the final issue of that many. So, uh, literally half our books this week are Hill House. Uh, but we'll have a d- digital first roundup, of course, which does include a surprise new book, which uh, was maybe more appointment reading than uh, typically they are. Because uh, of his connections to one of the other ones. And then uh, that's pretty much the show. I don't know if, Carl, did you read any Patreon books this week? I didn't ask beforehand. No, I, did, I didn't. I thought I'll do one next week. I, I don't know. <laughs> and then you saw. Then yeah. you should have. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think I did one. Did I do one last week? Yeah, you got another one to do, though. Yeah, yeah. So I'm fine. I'll do one next week. Yeah. But the week with less books well wasn't... i didn't realize there was that many until i've literally <laughs> just looked i just assumed oh it's going to be the same as the last two weeks see and now because of the digital first i have all those that are coming out plus the digital first books that i want to read so this is great <laughs> i mean those digital first books are coming up pretty quick so some of them have almost done by now right yeah well i don't know because like the batman one switched to to mark russell which then i read because i like mark russell which just added stuff that i didn't actually need to read you know, yeah. Um, so. I actually have a news article about some of the digital first books, mm. so uh, that'll give us the lineup of what's going on. There is some rotation happening, there's rotation happening. Okay, uh, interesting. Uh, well, actually, on the digital first books, uh, I mean, it's maybe the same article, but the main thing I was going to take from it is that they're adding Birds of Prey, uh, yes. to, to the lineup. Mm-hmm. There was a Birds of Prey giant, which is now becoming the digital first, but not really a first because it was in the giant first, but. Uh, right. that's that's coming uh, soon as well. Birds of Prey, uh, Sirens of Justice. Yeah, by uh, Gail Simone. Right. Mm-hmm. So, it should be very traditional Birds of Prey stuff. Yeah, with, so Pete should be Harvey, happy. I think, actually, though, if I recall. Oh, Pete won't be happy then. <laughs> yeah, this, this is the one that, that's Harley, Canary, and Huntress. Yes. Um, Pete's gonna hate. Yeah, probably good. I could probably just ignore this, it's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, we got a whole schedule here, uh, so we got, well, Superman out on Monday, which is the same, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. May 25th, May 26th is, is Batman Gotham Night 6, which is still the same, uh, Wednesday's now Birds of Prey, Sirens of Justice, what was Wednesday before? It was Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman. and, yep. uh, I didn't actually read Wonder Woman this week, because issue 5, I think that was the last one that just came out this week, uh, wasn't, um, Palmyatta and Connor, so I skipped yep. it, so, uh, but that sounds like the reason that's to read that one. <laughs> Let's see who it was. Oh, great. It was uh, like Van Jensen. Something like that, I think. Yeah. But I just thought, I mean, I, I don't need to buy it because I, I bought the other ones for Palmyatta and Connor because uh, I like them. Um, I thought, ah, I'll, I'll save a dollar. Baffling. Baffling. Uh, uh, Thursday, May 28th, we got Aquaman, uh, Deep Dives, which I don't know. Uh, that's six. I, I mean, these are all issue six. In terms of size, or some of them longer than that? Um, yeah, well, they, yeah, that one was six, but it, the last one was part one of three, so that's going to at least seven. Mm. Uh, Flash, Fastest Man Alive, six on May 29th, which is by Jeff Parker. Uh, yeah, which is weird because uh, we'll talk about the end, but this didn't feel like the end of the Gail Simone stuff on, on this week's no, one. But I don't it... know if they maybe 
when they were publishing them in the Giants, maybe there was a break from right. that, and oh, we got some Jeff Parker stuff in the middle. Yeah, but it definitely feels like an end cap to a story, but not the greater story, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, but, I mean, Jeff Parker, so I'm probably going to pick it up anyway. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then the uh, Saturday Cart Cartoons is running, although with a new series, which is Teen Titans Go Booyah Issue 1, and then Swamp Things continuing uh, with Issue 6 on May 31st. So that's yeah. your, your digital first. Uh... With one notable exception in that list. <laughs> yes, well, that's because when this article was published, they probably didn't know about it. Uh, well, no, actually, I, I, I recall now that other one is every two weeks, so it's not in the next week of schedule. Ah, Okay. Uh, so that what we're talking about, of course, is the deceased digital first, which was surprise dropped this week. Uh, Taylor teased it the night before on Twitter, and then there it was the next day. Uh, deceased hope at the end of the world. So, uh, so there you go. Uh, it's a uh, it's a thing. We'll talk about that later in the digital first section because it exists. We, we've read it. Yeah, I think it was, it was really notable that none of the press releases mentioned a print release later, which was weird. Um, no, but people started doing the math and at what you were getting versus the timetable that it very well will get a just, you know, yeah, not right away. It, we know it's going to be 14 of these digital chapters. And this is the the old school digital style that they did, you know, a few years ago where it's, you know, the, the big landscape pages and each one is about, you know, half a page size of a traditional comic format yeah well i guess there's my problem with the word big there it's actually smaller it just feels bigger because it's filling more of the frame that makes sense it's very on brand because injustice was like that too yeah that's what i mean all the older digital ones i think they did legend of the dark knight adventure superman Mm -hmm. bombshells all of them had that format i have to admit i'm not a big fan of the format in that sense like digital first is fine but i wish they were just formatted like regular comic books because I feel this is a weird comparison because obviously it's written for this format, so nothing's been altered or changed. But there is kind of this feeling as I'm reading it because it feels so constrained that I'm watching. It's like watching a pan and scan version of a movie where I feel like I'm only yeah. getting half of a page. I, I don't agree, actually. I really, I think they translate really badly to the print ad- uh, adaptations of them um, because they have to essentially. It's still paced page by page, right? And then they, when they get, well, the yeah, I'm not, I'm not, them together. I'm not arguing for the print versions of the ones that have been created digitally. I'm saying that I fundamentally don't like them being formatted for this in the first place. I'm not saying that slapping them together to make a comic book page later is better. That's that's no, different. No, I'm, I'm just saying, if, for me, I think they they really struggle when they're adapted to the to the page, the, the printed page. I'm saying but I wish. Format, I, 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 I like it for digital ones. I mean, why not? No, nah, I don't. You can get away with it. I, you can you can have a landscape book, no problem. I mean, yeah, if there were landscape as in the all like double-page spreads or layouts, then sure, but it feels so... I don't know. I mean... I feel like I've, just... I've, I think I've read more of these digital first than you at this point, in general, uh, like, you know, of these older ones, because I've read like, you know, Bombshells, A Fair Bit of Injustice, and they do, a lot of them utilise what, you know, they do, okay, this is a double-page spread, even though it's still the same size, it still it utilises the format like that for a lot of them as it goes on. Well, that one's after I'd have done that, and I just, I, they feel, they feel too light, I guess, is kind of my overall thing, which is why I've not really gravitated towards a lot of digital firsts, uh, traditionally. I, I, I just, I don't know, because I, I feel like they're made for phones first, so they feel like the, again, this is a weird comparison, but they feel like the mobile version, or... You know, you get video games, and then you get mobile video games, and there's like a disparity between them because the mobile sure. games are really simple in comparison. Why, why, why do you get the impression phones first? Because you know, bizarre to me in the sense that you know phones are still generally 
hold vertically. Sure, you can turn them, but whereas, you know, if you're reading on a, a computer screen, like a desktop monitor, uh, you know, that's already landscape. It's, you know, this is designed just to, you know, okay, you're on the web browser. Oh, these are absolutely designed for, for uh, mobile devices, uh, phones included. I think that's why they're designed with these half horizontal panels, which full screen on a phone is still big enough to read. I think that's why they're this format. They want them to be super friendly to, to that size. Whereas a full page comic, yeah, obviously it works on a tablet because it's bigger and it makes sense. But I think the whole idea with the digital first is that they're very phone friendly because you, all you have to do is turn it sideways and it's like perfectly readable at that size. What you're saying, this is the Quibi. It's the Quibi, of... yes. It's the Quibi of comic books. Thank you, Matt. Come back to me after you've read Injustice. Go, go and read 15 issues of that. Hey, no, that may be great. It, maybe, maybe it bucks some of the trends that I'm talking about, but every, every one I've tried, although, which isn't many, I'm at a Although, bit. if you have them all loaded up, ready to go like that, you just want them to go read 15, you know, issues and see how he feels. I think it would feel a little bit different because you're not getting it piecemeal. Oh you know? yeah, no. This is not in terms of the the, the release schedule. I have, yeah, that, that's a completely separate conversation. I think he's just about the, the sheer reading experience. Right, of... right. I know, but I feel like if you had more to go off of, right, it it wouldn't feel like he said it wouldn't feel as small. I guess I got to the end of this and I was like, oh, okay, that that was it. I feel I feel like my problem is more just that each page feels like there's not enough there. Like I feel like I'm just tapping next on my my keyboard, like just. At a rapid pace that just feels unfulfilling, <laughs> as weird as that sounds. Nah, I don't know. I, I like that it's it's free to experiment with the format and not be constrained to the standard page of of a comic. Which you know, I, I love comics. I love okay. This is the page size. This is what we've got. This is the way it's read. But I, I think it's really interesting with digital first that okay, you're not thinking about the page first. You can play with that, and you you can do landscape instead. And why not? I don't necessarily have a problem with landscape. My problem is, is just how, how much it feels in terms of like how they utilize the size. And I'm all for experimentation, but I don't really feel that there isn't much experimentation. I feel like it's just another format that then sticks to exactly what that format is. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't feel the experiment. I just feel like, oh no, it's just the B method that no, kind of sticks know. to it. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a fan of how they're formatted. Um, and okay, even though I say I'd prefer it to be there like a standard comic book page, I'm not saying it has to be. I'm sure there's other possibilities that they could go down or try. But uh, yeah, I yeah. Anyway, so that is uh, the, the digital first coming up. But again, these all the ones we just talked about are all from the giants, which means they're actually all just regular comic books essentially, uh, just coming out digitally. So. Uh, you can see that, uh, and then just one small thing here, it's not a big deal, it's not something we talk about a lot, but it is worth mentioning that because of DC going multi-distributor, and not being tied to Diamond specifically, they've actually released a new, essentially solicits catalogue, because now it's not tied to mm -hmm. Diamond's uh, system. So it's called DC Connect. Uh, you can get it, you can actually, you can actually get it on Comixology this week, which, Diamond Previews was never on Comixology, was it? That was never... No, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. I think there was a little while where they were digital somewhere. Maybe Diamond put them out themselves. I can't remember. Yeah. But they tend to just, my shop's just like, here you go. It sticks out, it sticks it in my bag with my comics every so often, whenever, whenever they're there. Yeah, so it's not a physical book. Uh, the downloadable digital-only catalog features solicitation information for DC's comic books, graphic novels, collected editions, collectibles, you know, all the usual stuff you expect. Yeah, I mean it's it's just your solicits basically, like, you know, which is yeah. all the, the the diamond whatever was. I think it was 
the diamond one had its own benefit in that it was all the companies in one book right so you didn't have to go to different mm -hmm. articles and read okay dc solicits marvel and, solicits, and it's, it's worth mentioning that dc's stuff will still be in diamond's book because you can still order it through diamond it's still going to be there but they've yeah. just released their own separate one that's separate um, and the fact that they're giving a, a solicits catalog to comiXology it maybe again leans into this idea that they're embracing digital the fact that they're finishing some books digitally which again marvel did first but they're doing more digital first this surprise digital first this week again feels like a you know another sign of them uh, yeah, testing I the would waters not be surprised to see more over the coming months yeah so there you go um so i read my books digitally so i want to make it clear i have no problem with digital books i just don't like the format of the digital first <laughs> you know not these giant ones the actual digital firsts uh all right that's basically the news there's, there's, not, there's not a whole lot this week uh last week last week we had solicits which was like what 50 minutes of soliciting like goodness followed by glorious sales figures talk which might be the last sales nope. figures talk ever which is <laughs> he'll find a way i i know pete i've done this with them long enough he'll find something <laughs> it's fine so here's what we can hope here's here's the hope for the future of sales figures is that the other distributors get their own sales figures and then a sale like comicron will take them combine them with diamond and we'll get some sort of super fused list and then true honest sales figures that matter that we can actually compare because because obviously there's no point looking at diamonds anymore because the marvel's just going to win everything because dc's have been you know fragmented. even if it's only like 10 percent of stores that, that decide not to use diamond that's enough that they'll lose pretty much every month and it's worth and it's worth mentioning these two distributors at least one of them is is uh, owned by one of the biggest stores in the u.s so uh, i mean that's they, a big they, chunk yeah they, they uh they both are one's owned by midtown obviously yeah uh, and one's uh dcbs which is like the, the biggest mail order service in the u.s so just cutting those two before you even to bring any stores into it i mean that has to be a significant little chunk out of the uh, the pie yeah you'd have thought so so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, that's what it is, I suppose. Uh, I don't know. I, I, uh, I haven't done a lot of extra reading this week. You know, I read, I read this week's books. Uh, you know, I still have the last couple of issues of Mortal Hulk. Not that we're doing elsewhere stuff just now, but, um, it's been a little bit tighter on the, on the reading this week. I, I blame video games, mainly. <laughs> uh, it's not like my mom. Video I, I games and editing. I played video games. <laughs> I read quite a bit, but at the expense of some of my digital first stuff that I kind of was like, oh, I'm going to read this instead. And oh, you neglected, did you? Uh, <laughs> not me. Uh, I and I almost, got, yeah, I almost got Planet Heist uh, done. I have one issue left. But um, all the DC books came out this week that, you know, four. Four is a lot after you haven't had any. <laughs> um, so and and i went back to work so that that threw in a, a wrench oh, yeah. um, I have no idea in, that. Yeah. into reading but so. i think matt uh is the opposite where he should be playing more video games he's, he's a little unbalanced right now and he's uh media consumption oh no i'm back to normal now he's still... uh, well, i also watched a ton of riverdale getting season four through um so so yeah that show is so delightfully trash like <laughs> I feel right. Yeah, I feel I feel like that was a, a waste, some waste, waste of time there. Did you did you know Skeet oh, Ehrlich no. is not coming back for next season? He's leaving. What? Yes. No, uh, I I lose two dad figures. He's in, apparently 
He's creatively stunted on the show now. He's, he's, he feels like he's done everything he well, could, so he wants to leave. To, to be fair, he was a gang leader turned sheriff. Wait, so, what? What? Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Don't just drop that. Hang on. Hang on. Uh, slight spoilers for Riverdale here, if anyone gives a <laughs> shit. But that's the thing you're bothered about where I'm pretty sure in the show Archie died and then came back to life. Well, no, I heard about that part. I, I didn't hear about the gang leader from the Snakes becoming the sheriff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, FP. My God. FP uh, because because of Fred, you know, uh, um, Luke Luke Perry, you know, they had a heart to heart, and FP wanted to be a better man, and he ends up getting elected mayor and taking out the or not mayor sheriff and helping bring down the lodges as, as the mayors. TV uh, sometimes so. is such bullshit where you can just like but decide to be a better man, and despite it having no yeah. background in law enforcement, be the sheriff within. To be fair, well, I mean, he does have the like, background in law enforcement. Just, he could just buy the votes <laughs> just not yeah well he does have a background in law enforcement just on the other side of it so <laughs> you know but no it is this this season for him. what's up he intimidated people into voting for him obviously yeah, well no i think he was appointed <laughs> by the outgoing mayor or something anyways we watched them all as they binge on on netflix so netflix mm-hmm. puts them on so there's a lot of stuff i don't remember because we're whipping through them so quick but it's not like a show that needs your full attention. Um, this this season has been just <laughs> Jughead's at a prep school, and there's like a skull and bones type thing going on. Um, what's his name? The voice of Darth Maul, Sam Witwer, shows oh, up. Yeah, Witwer shows up for like four episodes as his teacher, and then of course something tragic happens because uh, it's Riverdale. It's always tragic. Also, speak to I don't remember... the voice of Darth Maul. I finished Clone Wars this week. It's no! Boring. No! Buddy! Oh, Stop good. it! No that more! That epilogue. Oh, my God. That epilogue, though, right? Oh, that got me good. I didn't I didn't, I didn't expect it, and then it's just in the snow, and it, it's gorgeous. So, because I've I've watched them so spread out... I, I watched like... them more or less one a day, with only, like, yeah. you know, days off. Well, no. I mean, like, Rebels to, to Clone Wars and whatnot, I had, Alden had to correct me on the, the timeline of that and and whatnot. And so now, if when you go back and watch Rebels, their interaction is, there's so much layered there. And, like... Because that's uh, about, like, 20... 10 years later, maybe? No, maybe yeah. probably about 15 years later. 13, yeah. 14, somewhere in that range. So, it's... who boy. How great was that, though, right? The mall stuff. Her, her and Maul fighting is, I think, my favorite lightsaber duel ever, because it's 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 what I wanted in the Obi Wan and uh, Maul, right? Like oh, stupidly rebels. wanted, right? But this one, this, this, this is really smart. There were people who were disappointed by that uh, Obi Wan Maul fight, yeah. and I think to some degree you included, even though. Oh yeah. You well now. Yeah. If you look at the, the point of it, is so good. Uh, this this is a way of going. Okay, well we did that, and now we can give the fans what they want and give them the cool fight as well, but still and, have weight behind it. Um, two of my favorite characters on top of it, like Maul, circa Clone Wars Rebels, completely different character than he is in Episode One. Like he actually has character. I can't wait to see more content with him um, in charge of the, uh, the 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 gang. Yeah, because because you could see him talking with them. At a certain point, uh, yeah. on Mandalore, and obviously right? we know from from Solo, kind of the position he ends up in in, in that organization. Yeah. I'm like, 
oh, I want to see some of that. So that's that prime for some stories. Yeah. So oh, so good uh, though. I'm glad glad you got caught up. Um, between uh, Ahsoka and Rex in, in those mm-hmm. final couple episodes was perfect. Real quick, as Pete, before he falls asleep, mm. uh, they announced uh, Timothy Oliphant for The Mandalorian Season 2. Yes. Um, and then they kind of gave a name uh, and what he's going to be doing. That, uh, the expectation is um, the Carl Van. Uh, yeah, from, uh, from the Aftermath books, which right. I did not like those books at, at all. They're, they're some of the right. worst Star Wars pros I've, I've experienced. Huh? However, yeah. under Filoni's guidance... Right, yeah, he can make much. gold. However, yeah. it, it lends credence that Tamara Morrison might not be playing Boba Fett, and he might be playing Rex. You could do two ways. He's playing Rex, which uh-huh. I'm more than okay with. Him is preferable, uh-huh. honestly. Uh, they'd have to age him up a little bit, I think, for, yeah. for Rex this point. It's old man Rex at this point, right? Uh, or it is Boba Fett, and he's you know coming to get his armor back. Which is right. less appealing inherently because I like Perfect just being dead. But yeah. I'm okay with it if that is where they're going. Um, or why not both? I haven't played both. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, because I, I, was, I was talking about this with, with Alden as this came out because you hadn't seen, I don't want to spoil stuff from Rebels and, and Clone Wars, right? Because you hadn't watched it. So, but I was talking to him about it and what that means with Boba Fett being a pretender, according to right, George Lucas and not a proper Mandalorian, what that means for the show, and then maybe Rex being in there and what that means to the Mandalorian legacy, being a copy of, of a pretender. Yeah, like, it, it, it's really interesting because obviously that armor is based off of like that Mandalorian mm-hmm. style, so it's like right. it, it's it's very clearly you know a, a pastiche of that um, mm-hmm. with, with reverence. Uh, it, it's unique in that sense. But then... Yeah, the the stuff with with Fett being, you know, like I say, this pretender. But the the Mandalorians that we see in the Mandalorian, their group are mm-hmm. very different from any other Mandalorians we've ever, ever seen. So maybe this right. is like a, a Fett inspired cult for all we know. Right. So, oh man, very exciting times for Star War. That was completely organic too. Yeah, yeah, so much good bring stuff. Up, bring up Sam Witwer showed up on Riverdale, and oh man, yeah. I'll let Pete type back in there. All right, for the love of all things, let's talk about some comic books because I, I, I can't, I can't do this. I can't. Uh, we're, we're gonna talk about deceased, Uncallables issue three. Tom, yeah. Tom Taylor, Carl Mustray yeah. on the art. I was gonna make a joke about Pete being the crying Jordan meme, but then this book kind of made me the crying Jordan meme. So yeah, I, I, I did not expect to be emotional for the words tree lobsters. Me neither. Yes, uh, so the, the, this all came clicking together in a way that I didn't expect based on, you know, having time away from it because of the delay and, yeah. and whatnot. Because uh, we ended at a cliffhanger, because we, we started this issue with Bane, who's now zombified, just running towards mm-hmm. everyone, and like, oh, okay, all right, yeah, we're here. Yes, I, I vaguely... <laughs> yeah, and, place. And, and then oh. Solomon Grundy rips off his head. Creeper yeah. is one of my favorite lines, I think, ever in comic books is, that's the first time I've ever seen a head, but not connected to a body. <laughs> <laughs> um, this book, like, I know it's horror-themed, but so far, like, even in the original Deceased, it, it didn't get to parts of horror that made me, like, go, oh my god, as parts of this one did. Uh, and then for him to balance it out with this bittersweetness, 
like uh, we, of what happens the original deceased mini yeah um, i think this has more heart which is even though yeah. this is about you know the the a lot, you know, a lot of it it's about the villains. yeah, the heroes. yeah, yeah. um it, it's got more heart in it than it than the one with the heroes mm -hmm. did uh, well, and, and i think a part of that is because this is more about legacy so i'm wondering what the next volume uh that one's uh, that, that's called at world's end or world's end um, well that's the digital world's end is the one. digital one yeah okay what's the next one called Either way, this I can't remember what it's called. Two. But it's just, kind it's, of, just okay. it's just deceased three slash deceased two is this yeah. is one point five. Either, either way, my point is this one seemed to be more about legacy because of who these characters were. You have Slade and Rose there, you have Shiva and uh Cass, right? You have Jason, um you have Gordon. So each of these characters that I just mentioned have some kind of tie to legacy, whether it was Gordon losing Barbara, right? Coming across her, you know, anti-life zombie self uh, and whatnot. And then Jason having to deal with 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 Bruce and, and them that were in the cave and stuff. So once you get to the end in man, in the grand horror fashion, it looks like all things are the wheels are coming off. Some cases literally here. Um it's just you start to see this come into to view, and I'm wondering if that's what the next book's going to do with, you know, it's it's John and Damien and um, uh, yeah. Wonder Girl, I'm drawing a blank, Cassie, the yeah, other Cassie. They're, uh, they're returning to Earth in that volume, right? Right, right. Which means this is that you know in between, to where I think some of these characters that we met here are also going to grow, you know. Yeah, well, uh, so the, the fighting all gets going, and, uh, you know, we have some fun bits here with Creeper saying, oh, Grundy can't die on a Monday, it'd ruin the whole poem. Uh, yep. So, and of course he ends up dying on a Monday, which just to make things sad. So yeah. you've got uh, them kind of holding people off, uh, going on the run in the buses with the, the, the bat tank at the front. Uh, yeah, I um, I really like the the introduction of of them all uh, just before they you know leave the building with you know okay here are the kids again and like you know a little yeah. bit about them. Yes, uh, which told me at least one or two kids were going to die because uh, that's why you let us get to know these kids that well because we're going to see some of them I really mean, grabbed. Not some of these ones though. When the kids start going, it's not the ones that we're introduced to. That's true. You know, it's, the, it's more it's more the red shirt the kids. Red but, yeah. I mean, I don't really remember who these kids are later in the book. I would say they're the one who likes Cheetah, right? They're all kind of separate. They're, they're... Well, no, because you, you, you got the one that was, you know, trained by Cheetah, like you just said. Then you have the, the Deadshot kid who who bonded with him uh, uh, with, with the slingshots and whatnot. Some of them do stick out. So those are the ones I'm wondering how they're going to interact with these, because they have their own legacy to uphold now compared to the, the ones that are coming back who left the Earth, you know? Uh, and what does that mean? So, but man, this this went to some places. So as, as they're going out and Wonder Woman shows up, I've never been more afraid of Wonder Woman. Well, hold on, like, you're, thought, just, you're skipping ahead of it, Matt. <laughs> well, we, we got out that they were they were running through because they have to basically convoy from Bloodhaven to Gotham. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the sequence on the bus happens before Wonder Woman. Yeah, we got Murmaster oh, first. It? Yeah. We got, oh, Mer we got Merrimaster first, uh, and also we should mention where they're going. They're going to the, the you know, the garden. They're going to the... The, the Gotham jungle. Yeah, uh, which obviously has kind of miraculously appeared. Uh, and some of the kids get grabbed, but we also have the, the little girl, because one of the favourite moments in the last issue was uh, her saying good kitty to Cheetah. 
And right. Cheetah, when she sees that the girl's in trouble, you know, lunges and, like, doesn't let anything happen. And the girl once again says good kitty to her and pats her on the head. And I don't think I've laughed as much recently than when oh. she turns around to, like, Gordon and the rest of the bus and says, only she gets to call me that. Right. And, you know, if, that, that's where the heart comes from, though. It's not just that they're doing the right things. There's, there's this bonding that's going on with the kids. Mm-hmm. And basically, this issue boils down to all of these villains and antiheroes essentially sacrificing themselves for these kids to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it be the kids from the you know the, the orphanage or it be their own kids in the case of Rose and you know, mm-hmm. I mean even Gordon saying that's Batman's son up there I, you know I I can't just not help I can't not do something yeah it's it's a it's why I think that that uh, spread introducing the kids is simple because it does a little bit about you know uh, which one is trained by who and likes like that one with Cheetah is right. you know, has trained to strangle a pompous princess with her own golden yeah, lasso it's kind of it's kind of like... even when Wonder Woman shows up she goes you know go get that princess. And it's not in the the way of like where little girls like princesses and whatnot. She's using it as a pejorative. Yeah, she's. So, she, it's kind of like princess ass. Was it? These kids yeah. are all getting their own legacy character, or these villains are all getting their own legacy characters. Because mm-hmm. obviously the heroes come from things anyway, right? They already have this right. idea of legacy. The kids have kind of taken their own. Uh, but the build to Wonder Woman is quite good because uh, Rose kind of senses it coming. And she's like strapping, and Jason's like, "Ah, it's a bad tag. It's fine. Like." It's, Nothing's wrong with us. Is it? No, trust me. I see what's coming. Strap in, and Wonder Woman, you know, lands. We get this full page spread of Wonder Woman, all bloody and you know, drilling blood and all zombified with the eyes and everything. Yeah, again, that that struck me more. I don't know if it was the art than when Superman turned, right? Like the Superman turning in, in the last one was tragic because of Flash and whatnot, but this was just like full on. Wonder Woman. Yeah, I think it was going for a different approach. Like I say, that Superman mm-hmm. one was this tragedy of, you know, oh, this is, you know, the, the greatest hero falling, whereas this is mm-hmm. just sheer horror. Yeah, that, that, this, this is, is the, an unstoppable yeah. force coming for your kids. This is the uh-huh. fear that comes after. And I think what works so well about this moment, it's what's worked so well about these deceased books in general, and why I think this Unkillables is actually much better than the original deceased. Uh, like, for me, this, the, I think this the issue many is like, in the stratosphere in terms of like rankings here because this moment where cheetah runs out and it's like okay i've been fighting wonder woman for so long and she comes out here and she's like, i'm going to protect these kids because wonder woman is now the dangerous one and mm-hmm. that's not only works in the context of having her bond with the kid and the build up of this own story it also wonderfully inverts just dc comics in general in a way where mm-hmm. wonder woman and cheetah have so much history and the idea that we are legitimately rooting for Cheetah in the fight against Wonder Woman is masterful storytelling. Now, masterful. now you know how I feel sometimes. I, I think we all agree that this is probably better than than the first, you know, uh, deceased book in general. Yeah, and I like yeah. the first. I, I think that's you know, we all like that a lot. Yeah. I think that's an important step I, that this book doesn't function anywhere near as well without that setup and that story no, of seeing it, the tragic fall. And and it helps that it's more focused, that it's not as trying to con- do, you know, do you know what it is? show the whole world falling as that first one did. Do you know what it is? But beyond the specifics of what he's done with the characters in this book, I think the difference is is that the, the original deceased, well, it's got all these fun moments and it's played on DC history and oh, Dinah's a Green Lantern now and all these things. Mm-hmm. It's so it, it has to kind of do all the setting up, not just in the, the way a normal story, but in the way that it's kind of six issues of a 
and even though it's really smart because a lot of writers wouldn't necessarily do a lot or think of a lot of these things it, most of it is really just okay how does this affect this character over here and this character over here and this many kind of started that way because okay how does this stroke get affected by this and so on but this story is much more about the actual story it's much more about the arc of the characters who are going through this and having a lesson learned they're they're growing and changing whereas the the main book okay maybe there's a little changing but for the most part it's just the world is dying and it's watching the heroes die one by one you know what it feels like and they're trying to survive the uh the original was the pilot for this universe yeah like that was the setup and you know and and then everything else from here on can actually be Okay, we can oh, do these focused stories in this world now. We don't have to. We don't have to spread. You know, show the the entire far-reaching consequences of every little action like we did in the first. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's Taylor playing in his own sandbox. Well, just right? to stick to just to stick to that TV comparison for a second, it's it's very much like season one of a lot of shows is kind of like good at the concept or whatever, but season two often is when it kind of takes off and becomes like what the show really is and i feel like as much as technically this isn't season two because as a deceased two this is kind of more of an in-between but for all intents and purposes this kind of feels like we're really we're getting to the gold as to why taylor wanted to explore this and wanted mm-hmm. to do this world uh this is this is kind of a proof of concept almost more so than the original book because this is proving that there's stories to tell in this world beyond just oh the yeah. zombies attacked and this is how they survive or don't yeah, survive and i'm and I'm not a zombie guy. Like, that's my least favorite kind of horror because I just don't... Like, I get it. Reanimated corpses are scary and whatnot, but I just feel like they've been troped to death. But here I feel like the the zombies, and and at least in Unkillables, they were more of a seasoning than the entire meal. And, like, well, no, the main the... story was this emotional... Well, yeah, here's the thing, know... Matt, is that most zombie stories, they exist to be zombie stories. There's mm-hmm. uh, tell me one other with the exception of maybe like an episode of some TV show that's been around for a long uh-huh. time. How many zombie stories do you already know the characters for for years or in this case decades? Like no. the, the, yeah. the closest I think of was I think Marvel did a, a zombie series, right? But it wasn't. But it was it wasn't, it, that was like a like a just oh look everyone's dying to zombies. It, it didn't have any weight. Yeah, to it, it was it was Marvel zombies and it was just a well I mean then they came back and tied you know Evil Dead and whatnot into it so it made it. A little bit different, right? Mm. Um, this is purely DC. This is the anti-life equation, you know, running amok with with well, the I virus. Mean, it, 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 what I'm talking about here, it doesn't matter what the cause is. It's it's just about the fact that all these characters and their connections all have weight and matter before everything even starts. So right, once... and it's still uniquely DC. But I I still feel like if this was a zombie movie and these were the type of characters we were introduced to, if they were archetypes. I still think a lot of it works. Oh, no, I know. I agree. A lot of it probably would, but I, I think there's a sort of zombie fatigue in general across the board, right? Because there's just been so many zombie things over the last couple of decades. But I think what's unique about this is that it's very rare to have such a long-form storytelling that's already existed. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to do with deceased itself. It's just all these DC characters are established. All these connections between them are established. So once you start seeing, like... Because when I watch a zombie movie and it's like you know, new characters are introduced, they'll do oh, even a good one, like Trey Bassan, really, really good stuff. But mm-hmm. it's not the same as immediately going, wait, how's so and so going to react when this other character dies? You know, how how is right. how is Gordon going to react when Barbara finds so, Barbara's body? It's something that's that's very unique to comics in general, and even just as taking aside from the the zombie thing here at all, just kind of put that to one side for a second. It's something that because we know so many of these characters. There are a lot of books that we can go into with 
that, that doesn't have to do as much heavy lifting as other properties would because we already have connections to characters. We come in with these biases that they can just play on that are already established. And, and then they can invert tropes from the start because they don't have to create set up the tropes first. And I think that's, that's what this has done here where it doesn't have to worry about setting up any tropes. It doesn't have to worry about setting up any relationships because it knows most of the people reading this already know these characters. It's fine. So we can, we've can we got kind of free reign to just mess with it. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we get the, and this continues. So we have the cheetah moment, which already kind of hit hard because it has all this weight behind it of like flipping the roles because now we're rooting for cheetah. But then you've got Creeper and Grundy kind of like saying, no, we're going to go help her. We're going to go stand off because these kids need to be saved. And they're like, we're tree lobsters. And it's kind of their, yeah. their moment, right? That, you know, the, the, the handshake with the, with the tree lobsters. I was like, oh, God, yeah. that's getting me. They're, they're, they're sacrificing themselves. And well, going well, out and it's, not, not just that. That's just a handshake. Does anyone else recognize what this panel's like based on? Does this, this the hands together? I have to look at it again. <laughs> uh, yeah, Carter Car- won't get it. Carter Car- doesn't like the movie. Uh, <laughs> is this a predator? It's predator. Okay. Uh, okay. This is Dylan. You son of a bitch. Look at it. It's. I mean, if it's not intentional, I'll be surprised because like having that muscle bulging in that exact shot just looks like predator, Amy. Uh, but I mean, maybe people yeah, disagree. Yeah. No. It is. <laughs> well, no, it's fine. It's fine. All right, uh, so you got all the villains like jumping out to take on Wonder Woman. Now, and you've got uh, you know, this is the moment where Gar's like, no, no, that's Batman's son, and that's your girl out there in the back, because because the, the the Batmobile got flipped over when Wonder Woman landed, so they're kind of right. sitting ducks. Like a missile. And Shiva and Cass have their moment where Shiva kind of sacrifices herself it's to save her daughter. Right after she just gives Slade shit, for like, hey, yeah. look, you know, it's it's one person. We're gonna right. save everyone. What are you doing? And then immediately is like, all right, I guess I see his point. Yeah. Like. But between Hill writing Shiva and Batman and the Outsiders and her here, like I feel like she's the next person to get the anti-hero treatment. Oh, maybe. Like, I would not I would not be surprised if we get like Shiva as we, a supporting character we somewhere. We've kinda had that in the past though, right? Where yeah. she just does whatever's good for her. It's not necessarily villainous. Um sometimes no, it is. But but I feel like tying her to Cass in both of these now. I feel like they're gonna play up on the yeah, if you wanna... she's tired of being the, the lone wolf. And she wants to be there for her daughter. And if, here she really is because she sacrifices herself for her. If you want to do that, if you want to go the anti-hero route with Shiva and make her more of a, a solidified, like, no, she's kind of on the side of the good guys for the most part now. Mm-hmm. Tie her to Cass and Cass being the reason why mm-hmm. she turns over a new leaf is the reason way to do it. It's yeah, the one right. that makes sense. At, at and that's... the moment, she's kind of in the same place that Deathstroke is, where mm-hmm. you can have a story where he is fighting, not necessarily for the, the right reasons, but on the side of right. And you can buy it in the in the in the right situation quite comfortably. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Deathstroke, he uh, gets obliterated because Wonder Woman just flies through because he's holding off and he's holding off the army and it's that's great last stand. Yeah. And uh, Wonder Woman just flies through him, so there's nothing left to like repair. It's just glorious. And then, then we get the narrator is, though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, heart out. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 oh yeah. Shiva ripped her own heart out. Yes, you're right. That was also right. one, one so special. But like, literally, let's get to the twist because there's a, there's a reveal here. Because uh, there's an array of the whole issue who, and I never really quite even got that it was someone that we weren't supposed to know. I just kind of, I think I just assumed no. it was someone. I think I the, thought it was Jason. It, yeah. yeah. It makes you think. I was thinking Jason. Yeah, I was thinking Jason. Yeah. But, and so, then so we get this moment. The way, yeah, go ahead. We get this moment where Wonder Woman picks up the school bus. All the kids have transferred to the one bus. Wonder Woman's picked it up and they're all kind of, you know, tying on for dear life. 
and we get this close up of the one girl who's like and we sort of realize that she's the one narrating right uh as she says this and she she goes oh sh and it's like she's about to say oh shit right um yeah. Yeah, that's the that's that works already because that's a classic moment in like a a kid's sort of approachable movie yeah right? we Where can't see it yeah yeah, but then you turn the page and the rest of the word is Shazam, and you see the lightning bolt go through the bus, and it's Mary and Marvel. A, such a grin on my face. So it's, that's yeah, like, oh, that, that, that's. Do you know the thing about this? Do you know the thing about this 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 series as well is that there's so many characters that DC ignore or don't really give that much attention to, and they, like I Mary Marvel ain't getting this moment in like a mainline DC event at least and not in the current climate no time soon maybe someday they, they tried in countdown yeah, generally understand why no not to put it down but you know in the sense that in, in the big mainline events there's so many big characters to choose from that they can play these moments with that they don't yeah, need but to resort down this, to no I this is not, the don't have to resort no that, that's the thinking right there that's the problem no 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 you have like they're giving smaller characters the main things in an event is how you elevate them. That is a creative choice that which is is ballsy and should be done more often. Oh no, I get it. When I, when I say resort, I don't mean like oh you know that, that, that's all that's left. I meant more every time a writer comes in to do an event, the, uh, for the most part, they're going. This is my one chance to write a DC event this scale. I want to use all the characters I want to use, so they use their favorites. So by their nature, you end up reinforcing all these same, uh, you know popular heroes over and over because they're their favorites so it's this kind of self well, I mean, cycle. i mean i feel that's why canary becomes green lantern in the first one right i feel like mm. taylor really likes canary based off of injustice and whatnot right? right and here this could be the next thing with with mary marvel because i remember them trying to do this with her in countdown and it didn't work because they they corrupted her first mm. and whatnot through dark side and in this completely off story but when she does have a moment like this, when she snaps out of it, it made me want to pay attention to Mary Marvel. Yeah. Right? I, I also, I wonder how, tr like, obviously, like, the bigger creators, when they get an event now, yeah, they, they can pick any small character they want and elevate them, should they choose. But I wonder, like, I think at first, like, when someone gets an event for the first time, I wonder, like, how much free reign they have to, to go to the smaller characters, as the, you know, in the main roles for the book. I feel Probably like... Probably not that much, because they need the bigger characters to be the selling point. Exactly, yeah, which is why I'm saying I would appreciate if they sometimes took some risks. Well, um, I like the fact that this was a shock. Like, it, like I've read so many comic books, and when it gets to that, I was completely sideswiped by the fact that that's Mary Marvel, and she's going to save the bus. Because it looks hopeless, and I'm like, oh, it's horror. This is where this is going. Like, we just watched kids get picked off by Mirror Master, you know, and and they're just not going to make it. Um. But no, Mary Marvel shows up, and it's a really cool moment. Um, I, I think the and, reason it works so well is you don't, you're not sitting the issue questioning who's narrating it. And I think it is because of that red tint on the color of the narration mm -hmm. boxes that you just assume it's Jason. Yeah. And Cause cause Jason's pretty quiet for most of this issue. Uh, so, you, yeah. so it makes sense. So you go, okay, well, we started this series with him in general. Yeah, and nothing... So it works that we can kind of have him narrate the end here. And nothing comes off as like something that sounds to a character, or, or you know, nothing, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you go back and read that, I don't think anything sounds like super Jason either. That is a character mm -hmm. for Mary to see either. It, does, it works both ways, but nothing about it sticks out as like, oh, that can't be Jason. Yeah, but it is yeah. because and, because of that, it kind of takes you off guard because you weren't yeah. expecting yeah. a twist and reveal. That, and that's kind of the wonder of comics that you can you can have a bait and switch like that because if this is like TV 
right? You're going to recognize the voice and, of the narrator. And to go back to the elevate and the characters thing I was on, like, it may not be as good as the actual reveal page itself, but one of my favorite panels this week is absolutely... Uh, as she's flying up to face one of them, and that first panel, just that, that low-angle shot of her flying mm. up to meet her in the rain, it's just, it, it feels like it's setting her up to be, no, 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 Mary Marvel has a shot. She can, you know, she can mm-hmm. take on Wonder Woman, maybe. I really like I it mean, because it's using the traditional hero shot for Wonder Woman still, you know, with mm-hmm. the, the, the low angle looking up and, you know, the floating in the sky. Uh, it, it really I, works. No. I, I think this 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 does elevate her. It feels like they're, they're making her a big deal. And of course, she has this sort of the added narration afterwards when she's like, "Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't be able to fight her before, but I, in the last couple of months, I've been trained by Deathstroke and Shiva and Cassandra Kane. Like, I I can fight." So <laughs> like, <laughs> now, now I want Mary Marvel to be friends with Cassandra Kane. Sure. In, in mainline, because yeah. I I want more of this. Um. But no, Mary Marvel is one of those characters that does kind of get overlooked a lot, right? Because there's Freddy's had moments as Captain Marvel Jr. back, you know, he was on different teams, you know, uh, but she's always just kind of the lost Marvel. Now with all the other kids, she's almost the Wendy in in Peter Pan, right? Where she has to be the... I think the sad truth is that the Marvel family in general have just been kind of overlooked for a long time. Yeah, decade or so, right? You know, you had... You know, you had the really slow tease introduction of the Shazam yeah. stuff in the, the Justice League backups in the mm-hmm. New 52. And then that was it. That was all we got until this John's Shazam series. Yeah. And the, the, the series has been relatively good. I, I think uh, it, it feels disconnected so far from everything else. Does it? Not, the Shazam yeah. family has not really showed up in anything else or connected to that yet. And I'm sure it will at some point, yeah. but uh, at least for now, it's been kind of on its own little corner. So it's, it's nice to see Mary Marvel sort of not only be elevated, but even just get to play with the other characters a little bit. It's, it's just nice. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, so we get this big fight and Mary Marvel flies the bus and the, the veins open up to let them in. Uh, we see Harley and Poison Ivy, along with some of the magic characters. Fate's protecting the, the place Fate's magically. Fate's and Constantine's there. Yeah. yeah like, I feel like if, if Taylor had asked Connor, what heroes do you want meeting them? <laughs> these are the three he would give. It's you know? uh, basically for when this gets its own follow-up section, probably mm-hmm. in the next book. Which, by the way, is called Dead Planet. I checked. So there you go. Well, uh, I, so given this, the, this is a great group of characters. Yeah, given they're coming it back is? to Earth, I feel like we're going to see some of these characters again in the next story. Uh, and if not, you know that's fine. Give me a sequel to this. Give me another three issue mini after Dead Planet. I just yeah. I feel with I feel just like like them coming back to Earth and they've kind of hinted about what was going on in the Gotham jungle. I, I feel like some of these characters are going to show up. Yeah, they probably like, are like older, older Constantine is a Tana. Maybe one of the kids is taking on the, the fate helm or whatever. Like that said though, isn't, isn't dead planet set much further ahead? Cause the uh, John and Damien are older. Well, that's actually interesting. Cause I remember thinking when that was announced, cause the first cover that, that they showed us Constantine looked like, you know, like the same age. Whereas John and Damien were older and were like, you know, Superman mm. and Matt. And we thought it was right. really weird. I'm wondering if time's kind of passed differently for them. Oh, okay. yeah. Which yeah. is why, you know, this because year, as, Constantine looks, you know, normal here. As we learned in Interstellar. My God, I'm trying to get my joke out. As we learned in Interstellar, time passes quicker when you're a black hole. God damn it. I was going to say, but also, Constantine wouldn't be one to not put anti aging spells on himself, right? He definitely would, yeah. Yeah. So. But but no, and also Ivy and and Harley, uh, 
that's a pretty cool introduction as well. Like Harley sitting on, on the edge with like a jester hat on. Like that's a new look for her, right? It is, mm-hmm. and purple hair is new. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is very purple so, as opposed to the usual. And then, of course, blue or red. The final page is the reveal that they've made a statue inside the jungle of the the villains who sacrificed themselves to save all the kids, uh, and it says "Villain Saviors Family Tree Lobsters," and that's your final beat. I like beat. the little touch that um, the girl put the hero you know, like ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that got up. me. Yeah, because that makes what makes it seem like a legit memorial, right? Yeah. Like she put her to there, uh, and it took me a second to realize that that Bane also was a good guy, because he he's the first turned. That, that's because that right? happened in the last issue as well. I go. Yeah, yeah, You know, but the rest of them all go out. Well, and, and Deadshot too. Um, I'll have Deadshot and Deathstroke on the same team. Oof. Try and say those out real quick. I mean, um, that's like half of the Suicide Squad books in the last year, like ten years. Yeah. Right. So. But yeah, this almost functions as a Suicide Squad book too, right? Like, you know, yeah. they're on a mission to get there and they end up sacrificing themselves instead of getting blown up. But yeah, I know. It was... Yeah, and there's also a tree lobster on on uh, Creeper. So that was a nice touch as well. Um, this, this was like yeah. a pretty perfect issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this was this was next level. This was... Uh, we, we, we loved the first two issues and I think this final issue took everything we loved about those first two and capped off the the, the heartfelt story that because I, I, I don't think when we read that first book because it, it wasn't really the villains didn't really come into contact with the kids and start helping the kids properly until issue two they, the first issue they were very separate so i don't think we expected in that first issue even though taylor's very good at pulling at the heartstrings i don't think we saw exactly what it was going to be doing yet it didn't quite get there because because the first issue it was okay it was jason and Cass like round up they find these kids get gordon that stuff the villains were separate and then last issue is where they, they kind of came clashing together then this issue is like oh here's what the story's really been about it's about these villains stepping up because the, the story started with them just trying to save themselves by hiding out in this tree uh <laughs> like with savage and that and then mm-hmm. by the end it's like, no, no no they went out saving innocent people that's how the story ended so you can't have right. a different beginning and end for a, a group of characters quite like you did with these yeah. and i think it works as well because most of these characters have at some point you know shown their capacity for humanity and not just being uh-huh. out and out evil at all times mm-hmm. right yeah um so it, it doesn't feel like it's a, a betrayal of character or you know or even that it's that much growth for them it's like no this this was always within reach for these people yeah i mean i can't recall anything with creeper but i'm not encountered creeper as much well that's <laughs> the thing with yeah the thing with creeper though is that he's almost like uh, like like chaotic neutral joker Mm. You know, like he's, you know, yeah. you never know what you're going to get with him, but he's generally a good guy. Um, he's and a it was tragic the, as well. Yeah. And, and like with Bane, the most I've ever liked Bane was in Secret Six, where he was basically a, a hero trying to whip that team into shape. Um, so, yeah, so that they all work in that way. Uh, even Slade, where like Connor was talking earlier, you know, sometimes he's, uses that mercenary that's got to take out Superman. And other yeah. times he's like, no, he's he's running a protection scheme for somebody. Slade does what Slade wants and what Slade's getting paid to do, <laughs> ultimately. Right. But, I mean, you know, Deadshot, yeah, time and time again, you've seen stories, you know, with his, his daughter, usually. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the idea of kids uh, with him specifically right. is, is very baked in. Uh, yeah. And then, and then with Grundy, it's a little bit more different just because he's this monster 
he leans himself to it like yeah, you know, but even with I, Grundy, the whole time it's never like he's e- he's evil. He's just Grundy, a right? force of nature. Yeah, pointed yeah. in direction. It's um, it's not like Grundy usually has a plan to destroy the city and take over. It's just no Grundy does what Grundy right. does. Man, being how he is and he can be reborn, I'd love to see a new Grundy pop up. And then when when they show back up, there's like a a different form of him. I always like when they play with the different forms of him. Like Zombie Grundy and, and Justice League Dark or in the Brad Meltzer Justice League where he came back with an intellect and takes out the Justice League. That was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, the issue was phenomenal. And I mean, we've had some books obviously the last few weeks, but not a lot. And this week was also quite quiet, but this is the book that made me feel like comic books are back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is the, the book that I went to, that made me go to my comic shop to pick up my stuff. So, which was a nice surprise that, you know, they're actually back to functioning. You can't sit and hang out like you used to, mm-hmm. you know, but you can go in and grab your stuff as long as you have your mask on and, you know, hand sanitizer and whatnot. Uh, so, so yeah, and this is a nice one to go back to, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, wonderful stuff. Uh, I mean, the art, we don't really mention this issue beyond a couple of maybe key pages, yeah. but it's because it's the same as the previous two issues. Yeah, and I'm not a fan of the face. It's, again, it's very Quietly, and I know all, all the people that tell me I'm insane. I'm not a big fan of Frank Quietly, and this reminds me a lot of his faces. Um, so, but it's fine. It never, it never once detracted me, uh, except for maybe the right where, the, the way that Mary's drawn when she's about to say Shazam, and and I get what they were going for. It just kind of mm. face looks a bit squishy. But other than that, everything's fine. Yeah, yeah but I didn't really talk about the fact that the reason why she's not giant she's damned up is because she was so terrified of becoming zombified as you know. Yeah, she kind of hints that something happened to Billy. Yeah, right, and she didn't want to also risk her power because what if it was corrupted? Because she didn't know the extent of. Yeah, I uh, think more, like, if she was turned into a zombie, as she is now, eh, no big deal. Right, right, but if she's turned into a zombie, as Mary Marvel, well, that's a problem for everyone else exactly so uh yeah all right we'll be rating this then matt we going it uh this is a 9.5 connor i'm just slapping the 10 on it there you go yeah i'm giving it a 10 i mean even though the art because the face because i like the art the aesthetic of the art the faces are a little bit here or there but even with that issue 10 the the, the feelings don't lie The feelings don't lie. All right, we'll move on then. I, I'm going to take a break because you guys can talk about Jimmy Olsen issue 10, Matt Fraction writing with Steve Lieber on the art. This uh, is all over the place. <laughs> it is. And this is a book that has not benefited from the break because there's always so much going on. Um, it was coming back. Every time I was getting into a section, I was like, oh, oh yeah, this yeah. is what that thing was. Um, so I think it's... it's I Only it's any worse than any other issue. I think the, the break has just hurt it a little bit. Um, yeah. But well, it'll be fine I mean, for the next there's, couple issues. There's so much going on and it jumps around so much, but to the point of this one is that you find out why Julian, his older brother, has has put a target on Jimmy. And long story short of it, and Connor can get into the, more, the, the funnier details here and there, but the long and short of it is Julian's run out of money out of the vast Olsen family fortune. 
by trying to preserve Metropolis. And that the final straw was when Jimmy accidentally destroyed the Metropolis Monarch. And in that Julian's original plan was actually kind of smart in that as long as that stood where it was, uh, Luther couldn't get into the grid, right? To control yeah, people's so water, power, Luther internet. The land that was underneath it all, which mm -hmm. had, you know, all the all those infrastructural elements like electricity right. and, you know, stuff like that. But mm -hmm. because there was a, a cultural landmark there, he couldn't mm -hmm. access them because they had to, you know, had to stick with the landmark. It was it was preserved. Right. By and destroying so you know, Jimmy opened it up for Luther to be like, well, you know, free reign, do what you want with your land now. That is now. And Julian doesn't like the idea of Luther, you know, because it still goes back to the Olsons versus the Luthers. And they're out of money. And we kind of saw that with Janie. That's why Janie was living in Gotham, putting on, you know, black box theater shows, living the bohemian lifestyle. It wasn't necessarily what she wanted, but that's the life she adapted to. And so the only person whose trust is still active is Jimmy because he doesn't use it. Yeah, and, but, and they don't even know if he's, he's aware that he has it. Right, and that as long as Jimmy's alive, they can't touch it. But as soon as he dies, it, Julian can access it. It, 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 it funnels back into the, the family. The family, right. Than the individual ones. Right, so this is why he has the, you know, the target on him. And it doesn't seem to be the main plot because now we still have the the aliens that came and invaded Ohio, right? That's what they are. Um, yeah, and I, I don't it has that, yeah. it has them stuck on the roof, uh, uh, trying to fight these these uh, aliens. And the aliens very annoyed about gravity on Earth because it's like, right. well, it's a war here, and not you know, it, it should be optional, right. like a real planet, right? And, and stuff. So, um, and and we got a flashback with with Porcadillo. And how he came across the the you know when they put out a hit on Jimmy, and that was yeah. basically his how he ended up involved in all this with the detective. The bit about that uh, was always funny. Is it, you know it started oh so this was two to four years ago, and then it's mm -hmm. you know it's his sentencing before he gets sentenced. You know, I sentence you right. to no less than two and no more than four years of time, and then it cuts ahead and so two to four years later, and it just it mm -hmm. just always keeps it that vague, and it just got funnier every time. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. So, Jesus Christ. Oh, what are you saying, Matt? No, just you know, and we got more of them on the 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 roof of the the grocery store, and Jimmy's kind of feeling bad, like this is all his fault. Like a lot of this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for him, and that he needs to be the one to remedy it. So he and steals the ship. Steals the ship, which the Really pisses off chicks and, and whatnot. And I, I finally realized why Dexter wears the bowl on his head. And yeah. that's because he's constantly throwing up. Yeah, the, the, the acid blood. Right. And it just it didn't click with me initially. So, but yeah, yeah. so Fraction's starting to, to tie everything together. I mean, there's two issues left. But yeah, definitely having that, that long break in between them with all the different plots coming into play. Yeah, that, that probably hurt a little bit. Um, but then you, you got the ending of Jimmy going to confront his brother mm -hmm. um, in a very elaborate costume disguise, where he is a a woman in a you know in, in this dress. Got, That's you know, right. The, the hair comes down the stairs. Everyone's looking at him slash her. Right. And uh, 
you know, because it's like a, a fancy party that Julian's throwing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so he comes up and, you know, they start dancing. Uh, you know, he bends him over in the in the dance and the, the wig yeah. falls off. He's like, you? And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's too is that he's putting the moves on him because he yeah. doesn't realize it's his brother. And yeah, yeah. so that was pretty funny. But, yeah, it's still pretty good book. The art, uh, Libra's still solid. Like, it's still capturing that, that you know, Silver Agey vibe, but with a contemporary twist on it. Yeah. Um, still very funny. Yeah, and it, and it hit the spot, like, despite having some, like, remembering issues because it's so dense, it still felt good to read this again. Like, I did yeah. miss it. Yeah, me too. So. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because as I was reading this, everything was coming back to me, so I feel like I'm in a pretty good place going forward, mm-hmm. like, you know, like I would have been yeah. the other issue. Right. So I think uh, uh, excited for the last two. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I hope I hope Fraction can stick around and do... Not necessarily the same thing, but something similar with some, maybe Just some other. I would, yeah. I would, I would love a blue and gold book from him. That would be right? fantastic. Like a blue and gold, or they're like a, a kind of a reunion of I can't believe it's not the Justice League with him, you know. And you have yeah. Guy in there and, and Mister Miracle and. Yeah, I, I just think it. He leans himself well, to it. Matt, you're such a goddamn self parody. I would like a book with Booster Gold, Blue Beetle. No, but he means that but, exact Justice Guy League. Lineup. But that, yeah, yeah. That, that's a great Justice League lineup, and yeah. it's so fun to read. So I'd be all down for it. Yeah. Fire and Ice, and yeah, uh, who else was there? There's a couple more. It was so, definitely a C level Justice League team. Elongated yeah. Man was there too. It, and... it it was wonderful for because you know it was uh, that was. Um, yeah. Geffen and Demetrius. Yeah. yeah, and they leaned into the, the comedy angle of that team because yeah. that's well, it's, what they you know what they are. This this reminds me the Jimmy Olsen book reminds me a lot of that era. I think I, I think the you know they were probably quite a big influence on on Fraction. Yeah. Uh, so Fraction taking on a take on that style of team, um, doing that style of comedy book like like he's doing with Jimmy Olsen, I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, what what you rate in this one? Uh, I'm going to give it an 8, because uh, it, it probably would have been like an 8.5 if I'd remembered it a little bit better. But Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, I, I'm going to give it the 8.5, because even though I did have the issues remembering stuff, it, it, you know, it was like a warm hug, you know? And I miss getting warm hugs right now, because you can't. So, Jimmy Olsen was, was a warm hug towards the end. All right. So... Plunge issue three, written by Joe Hill and art by Stuart Ehrman, uh, we'll do next. Uh, of course, this was one where I was worried that I was going to have forgotten a lot of the, the details. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it all kind of clicked out of place fairly quickly yeah. once I started reading this one. Uh, yeah, this, I don't know how you felt. And, and I don't know if it, if, cause it hits on those kind of Carpenterian tropes, right, that are kind of familiar, of, of you know, the, the creepy stuff going on on the island. But yeah, it did come back really quick. I, I had to remember what happened on the ship to cause the fire. Like, I almost went to yes. pull, pull my last issue, but then through the dialogue, that cleared it up real real quick. But oh man, this this book, I, I can't wait to read it all as one piece. I know I said that, I said that every time, but man, this is this book is a lot of fun. I uh, didn't enjoy this one as much. Oh, man. I, I, this one felt really wordy to me. Um Especially in the middle of the issue, it felt like there was a lot of just words being thrown at me. I think I enjoyed this issue more than the last one, to be honest. Yeah, fair enough. 
Oh, I liked it about the same. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be the Goldilocks here. Just right. I mean, um, I think issue one's probably still my favorite because it, it, it felt so much like the setup to that, you know, the kind of movie that it yeah, was. I do feel like a lot more happens here just because it is the third issue out of, what is it, six or seven? Six. Um, six? Yeah, so we're, we're getting to the, 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 not quite the climax, but to the peak of where stuff's gonna, like, stuff is going bad now. Like, so, um, but the last was a lot of setup. And, and yeah, there, there's a lot going on here that's just creepy. And I'll take creepy over outright scary a lot of the time. Because um, scary is subjective, whereas creepy you can always kind of feel, yeah. you know? Yeah. So the the, the the survivors of the derelict, well, I say survivors. I mean, I, I think that word maybe needs to be proven still. But uh, they, they're found in the cave uh, by the guys, and they're blind. They've got gifts for everyone, including a headset, which kind of comes into it a little bit later in the issue. Yep. Uh, so that's going there. They've been kind of paying attention, listening to the other characters. Mm-hmm. On the ship, we get kind of uh, the, the the company man. His his stuff here is where he goes full on Paul Reiser from Aliens, where he's like, yep. "Oh, what's this going to take? How much is this going to cost us?" The fact that our crewmates like been burned, and the captain's like, "A member of the crew has been burned alive. We're not doing yeah. a stupid mission anymore." You, <laughs> you can, yeah, you can call another. Uh, another ship from Russia. It's gonna take a day, but I'm getting my my brothers and everyone else, and we're leaving. That's just it. And then they get the call from the island that they found the survivor. We found the bodies, right? I forget what the exact terminology was. And he goes, "No, we found them." And it, it just doesn't make sense because they, the the company man goes, "Well, for someone goes, they should have. They should be like 80 years old." Why doesn't he look? Why does he look forty still? Yeah, I think it's Moira who says that because they Moira, they, yeah. they they come and meet them on the beach because that's where she was because she was in the water right. last issue, and like you should be like eighty because you were forty when you disappeared in right. 80, 83, 84. And and there's so much here of of like with the stuff with the gifts and the story of the wise men because they start when they start divvying out the gifts they talk about how it's like gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Yeah, they've, they've and got, then, they want to see the captain. The captain comes ashore. And they explain that they're going to give them gifts, and they're not being making a lot of sense. They're not explaining why they look st- so young. Uh-huh. I mean, they, they have like, he's got like a joke comment where he says, "Yeah, oh, diet and exercise is why I look so good." Diet, but- yeah, diet and exercise, but super creepy way of saying it. Yeah, you know, um, and and that they're not just blind. They said that they got infected with something that made them blind, but enhanced other things. And I was like, oh, okay, that's ominous. So, because they don't seem to have any problem communicating like sure they can't see but they they're still fully aware of everything that's going on yeah you know so because of the storm coming in they set up camp on the island for the night uh and this is where they're getting a lot of this dialogue uh from the, these characters if there's one part where i think it's a bit wordy it will probably just be when the company man's explaining what all the, the math all, all the math the, the stuff that or even before the math when he's talking about when they found the uh the body in 83 the the, the mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the fisherman found yeah uh where like oh there was something uh, you know in the blood the dna that did this and that there was a lot of big words thrown around in that that speech yeah. bubble and i'm like it never really actually explained because i was expecting one of the the crewmates to go oh can you put that in plain english for the rest of us right. like, what, what would that actually do and he never no one ever does and i'm like tell me what that does <laughs> tell no, me how, but <laughs> see, i took that as these these are concepts that aren't necessarily important outside of 
they seemingly solve this unsolvable unsolvable equation, right? And then how what brought his attention was the kind of math nerd joke of essentially writing hello mm-hmm. upside down on the calculator. Man, math and nerds are not funny. Yeah. Well, of course not. It's it's math. Like it's on or off. It's very binary, right? Mm-hmm. Like um and, and yeah, so that that's how I took that. So yeah, it was kind of wordy, but I could have like I, I had to fight the urge to look up what these were, but then at the no. end of the day it's math. Like if this was a historical thing where they're like, Oh yeah, they found the, the wreck of the whatever, yeah. I'd be but, like, Oh, let me look. Math, the I old, don't care. The, so the old Walkman lets uh, the guy with long hair, like he's he's basically hearing people's thoughts yeah. like, because he's listening to these headphones. Yeah, I um I really didn't like the lettering for this. Uh, I get okay, so they do this different thing where it's a really soft font and it's very brown, mm-hmm. but they get rid of all punctuation. Now I don't mind getting rid of the the commas and the full stops and stuff. You know, it's okay. You you want this this feeling of an uninterrupted flow, but getting rid of apostrophes was a huge mistake because there were multiple words that I read wrong. Like um, but I think one of the that... words you know I read it as were, and then I had to reread the sentence. I was like, oh, that's supposed to be weird, and like it's mm-hmm. just it, it was really frustrating. That I was having to reread entire sentences to make them make sense just because there was no apostrophes. And I think that lends itself to the something's not right. Like even as you're reading it, so the characters are hearing him talk like this. Yeah, but they and, would have still heard him say "we're." He wouldn't have said "where." Right, were. but it's still bringing attention to that. It's yeah, it's, I, I would dispute saying it differently. I would dispute this just in the sense that I never had that problem. It, the context always gave me. I think it was when like because uh, "were" was like the second. Uh, it was the second word of of the sentence. So it, it, I hadn't got any context in the sentence yet as to what it was. Um, and it was supposed to be weir, um, but I did, you know, without the apostrophe, that wasn't clear immediately. So I got to, so then I was like, right, I'm gonna go re- reread that. So that didn't make any sense. And Eliza, I think you know you can give this effect without having any any punctuation for the flow. So it's just this uninterrupted stream of being creepy. That is fine. I get that. But uh, like I say, the, the apostrophes, like that, really did actually it altered the words significantly as to what he would have been saying. Well. So that's the first gift. The second gift is a vial of this substance, which apparently could could, could power the state of California for eleven hundred years. It's right. that got that much energy in it, um, and they're like, "Oh, that's ridiculous! Nothing can do that." Blah blah blah. And then the third gift, which is kind of what leads to the cliffhanger of the issue, is essentially some item. So, so one of the guys has been clutching something in his hand, and he's not letting anyone yeah. else get to it the, the whole time. It's Billy, the the Native American guy. Yeah. That was kind of their their guide up to there, and they gave it to him. And then we didn't really see where he went to, but he he came out clutching yeah. this thing, and it's very it's very reminiscent of of Gollum, right? And his precious yeah, those that, the lines I was, I was getting. It's that kind of idea, but to a, such an extreme degree that to to sort of mm-hmm. show the the main group the example. He says, "Can I have a few of your men for to show you something?" Mm-hmm. Uh, little does the captain know that he's sending them to their death because right. they go into a little circle, three other people from the ship. And one of the, the, the crewmates, the, the derelict, uh, the woman, uh, sort of claws the, the guy's hand so he, he reveals the item, and the other three see it. And we don't get to see what it is, we just see their reaction, and them going, mine, mine, mine. And they basically start fighting to the death over this item, they start biting each other, we see one person get their eyeball ripped off, the last panel actually is the eyeball yeah, is ripped it's, it's clearly the one ring. Yeah, like, whatever it is, and, and the, um, the, the first mate, that should be 80, is like, 
yeah, this this is the gold. You know, this is what this is. And oh man, it's so so creepy. All, all I'm saying is makes them extremely possessive, expen extends their lifespan. It's the one ring. It's a but fair why, comparison. But again, Golem would never give this away. So it's definitely you know yeah. it do why doesn't it affect the crew of the Durlith that way? Because is it because they're blind? Is that the Yeah, they're not the, seeing it, so right. Right? And on top of it, the captain goes to save his people. He's like, What what the hell is going on? And they they keep him back and the first mate tells him, and it's for your own good that we're we're like your your people are gone now. You know, and if you get a glimpse of it, you'll end up just like them. And oh man, again, seeding stuff out. And I was so what's fascinating about this to me is that it, you know the the story started off as like building up to a monster kind of story, right? And then the more we get into it, it feels like it's hinting at much bigger things. These, these items all feel like they're they're like the secret to the you know the math equation that's going to like solve the universe. The you know the pie essentially. If David you know Darren Aronofsky's well, pie. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were talking about because they also tell him, tell the company man that they've solved Pi. Is it, is it, yeah, that, it. That's impossible. Pi doesn't end. He's like, oh, we found the ending. And that, that was the other thing is like, man, so I'm wondering if, if the monster isn't just like, because I'm, I'm still leaning that these are biological. Like, I don't know if they're alien or from within the Earth, but with how we were introduced to Moira and what she was doing at the aquarium, mm -hmm. I feel this is some kind of worm. Uh, and whatnot that taking over their bodies um but if that's the case like what how does the math factor in yeah well yeah What's that does this gold item that doesn't explain you know? the, the the gifts these three items no. that these three special things that right right and and again it still feels like the thing but it's also its own story like so i can tell where where hill is getting you know inspiration from i mean the captain is still captain carpenter and whatnot, right? But it has is, become its own. The ship is the McCready. The McCready. So, McCready. <laughs> yeah. right. So it it definitely. Um, where was I going with that sentence? It, anyways, it's I'm enjoying this book. Yeah. No, I'm having fun with it. I like this issue more than the last one. I think because the last one, like I still liked it, but it had some great art and great moments when you know the boat was on fire and stuff, but. I, I remember saying at the time that it felt like there was so much happening so quick, but after the first issue was so like methodically paced. This issue is kind of in between in terms of pacing, but I think it it, it kind of defined what the the story is doing more so. Whereas last story, I was last issue, I was kind of like, wait, so what is this story now? This issue kind of made it clear, okay, we're going down this kind of mystery path, and I have a better idea of what to be excited about and what to be intrigued by going forward, and uh, I, th I think I appreciate that. So. Uh, yeah, uh, and obviously Eminem's art's uh, really good. Uh, but, but... Yeah, it's yeah. his his. They're not quite zombies, but they're definitely not human. Like they feel, they feel waterlogged without being as bloated. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're gray and, my, and whatnot. Yeah. I definitely think my... need to give a shout out to, to Dave Stewart's colors, especially like mm -hmm. you know the, those uh, pages in the ship where it's you know, bathed in red is um, right. Yeah, because of because of the red lights. Yeah, I think those pages, and then the even just when the captain gets the call afterwards when it's not red anymore. I think the atmosphere yeah. in those pages as they're hearing some of this information just feels yeah. the most uh, you know the most so, enriched. D during this time off, I, I did rewatch uh, Escape from New York, and mm -hmm. it, and it didn't hold up right. 
but since you know go, going reading the second issue i felt that the captain would be played by chris pratt like if they ever adapt this this issue though i couldn't not hear kurt russell's voice as snake so it was very distracting yeah i never got yeah, chris pratt from the reading. captain yeah i, I just either. no i just who 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 could wear a beard like that i, I don't who, think who could be like a, gravitas for this i don't either now and now i have a trouble of who who can play this character yeah Right. Now, Escape and from New York has a great concept, but I've never found yeah. it to be one of the better Carpenter movies. It's always been kind of lukewarm for me. I loved it when I was 13. You know? <laughs> 20 years later, it's not as not as fun as a watch. I actually kind of got bored at sometimes. Because mm -hmm. it's been... like I've seen versions of this now. Like, sure, at the time, it doesn't hold up like some of the other Carpenter stuff of that era. Or even like his... Assault on Precinct 13. Right? Oh, Precinct 13 is a better movie. It's uh, still, well, I, I know, but it for being as old as it is, it still holds up in modern times. Whereas I don't feel this one does. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I was reading the captain as as Kurt Russell in that voice, and it works out much better than Chris Pratt. So if you guys have, uh, if anyone else has recommendations whose voice I could read this in. Um, that's contemporary. Ron Swanson, I obviously. Oh, yeah, I was going to say Nick Offerman would have been my, my, my next. Yeah. Mm, yeah. He does other gravitas. Yeah. Uh oh. What's he? Oh. Cash I, I thought you were looking over at your movies to pull an actor. <laughs> Honestly, you know, uh, I, I had a lot of problems with devs by the end, mm -hmm. but I think Nick Offerman showed he can do gravitas. In yeah. that role, uh, in that show, so I, I think that would put him in contention for this kind yeah. of role. Gotcha. Yeah, what are you reading? It? Hey, me, um, it's a six, so it's okay. But I, I, yeah, I found myself kind of checking out with with so many words at points yeah. in this issue. Um, I'm gonna give this a nine. I'm just throwing the high high ranks out today. Yeah, uh, I'll give it that. I'll give it a solid eight, but. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, but yes, there you go. Uh, that is uh, that is plunge issue three. Mm -hmm. Losing track of these things, and I just oh, see dogs at the end as well. Yeah, of course. All right, mm -hmm. so Dollhouse Family issue six, Mike Carey writing with Peter Gross on the art. This is the concluding chapter of this story. So oh, unfortunately, it had its gap, you know, between yeah. its fifth and sixth issue. Uh, awkward place for it. Out of interest, does anyone know where chapter 23 of Sea Dogs is? Because are these the only two Hill House books that came out today, or was there another one? No, well, it was just these two. Just these two, but there was one like last week, though, wasn't it? Well, uh, yeah, it just, it's interesting that the Dollhouse family has chapter 22, and Plunge uh -huh. has chapter 24. I feel like so I the, feel like the original release schedule it probably was all yeah. right and made sense. It's probably just the gap that's done yeah, this. Yeah, I, I just don't know which one 23 is in. I mean, I'm not reading it anyway. It's probably Daphne Burn because that was it a few could be ago. Daphne Burn for all we know because it's not Basket and it's not Lolo Woods, so that leaves uh, unless something. No, because Basket didn't week, get right? Yeah, Basket's next week. So I mean, I guess it could be in one of those next week. Yeah. It could be, yeah. This is because equally be one of those. So yeah. anyway, Dolly's family. Uh yeah. we got the end of the story. We got the sort of the explanation for <laughs> what the celestial beings fighting at the start and falling to Earth I, and how that tied into everything. So I read this and I go, I gotta know it, Pete. And I almost went to our chat to ask you. Mm -hmm. But I know you hadn't read the book yet, because this is the first thing I read this week. 
I was very excited. Uh, and so I got to know how you feel about the celestial being element. Uh, no, I actually like the celestial being element. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, the idea of this being this eternal fight between these two entities and essentially what we find out in this issue is that the evil being, which was the woman or the one that appeared to be the woman for the, mm -hmm. for the, for the man, uh, is basically been rebirthing herself through all of these descendants of this family. Every single person has a little bit of her inside them. So she lures them into the house and then takes it out of them in the, the black room and then they're stuck in the house after that. Uh, but the house itself, of course, is also part of them. Uh, right. Now, why the afterbirth of the first kid created a dollhouse, I mean, you just kind of said, the cat said that happened. I don't know if there's really a why so much. Well, but... I mean, I guess it's it's just the point of instead of pulling it out of someone to form part of its mm -hmm. body, it just went, right, well, we need a form mm -hmm. to right. uh, to exist in, you know, uh, across time until we get more descendants. Yeah, I suppose. So dollhouse will do. Because the, then, the, cause the cat that popped up at the end of last issue turns out to be the Celestial who was fighting this thing. Mm -hmm. And she, and he, he, you know, the, the cat offers help and says, this is what you need to do. This is how we're going to fight. Yeah. Uh, and so on, so on. So it becomes about her going in to save her daughter uh, and we see the the parts of the the celestial because the celestial being you know, she's about to escape she's she's becoming yeah. whole and it's just at that point where the the boyfriend splits open the house and the cat eats the celestial being. Yeah, yeah, it's, that, that it's was really pretty great. Unique stuff. So they've got this this metal that they got from the cave, um, which is the sword of the celestial being, which is so metal. I yeah, love that so much. Like, and that that leans itself into mythology as well of different things of you know. It's, you know, like, it's, I, like um, it's like one of those stories to explain meteorites. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So I, I think it, it's either on Avatar or Korra, there's a, a meteorite sword, right? Yeah, Avatar, yeah. Okay, so that's based off of a real-life Japanese sword that yeah. they they folded out of meteorite metal. And I just, that was the first thing I thought of, that that's what this I metal was. I don't remember that. I remember the Unobtainium. I don't remember any uh, meteor swords. I just I've I've read that the meteor sword from Avatar, the the la oh god damn you! Yeah, <laughs> Matt didn't get that joke at first. I, know. I was just waiting for him to get to it, and then and then he said the last and he went oh shit wrong Avatar. Yeah, unobtainium. <laughs> that's because that's because I've watched and I haven't even watched a lot of Avatar: the Last Airbender, but it stuck with me more than than Jim Cameron's Avatar, which I've seen once, uh, in theaters. So. Anyways, I saw Avatar uh, four times in theaters. No regrets. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I, I didn't see it in theaters. Yeah, e either did Ashley. Now she doesn't want to watch it. I, I, I was like, watched it enough. once, like you know, a few years ago. Well, probably like five or six years ago now. But I mean, it's been a while. Uh, and I watched it. and went. It was fine. Yeah. Like, it's, it, it's not bad. So, it's fine. Sidetrack. The reason I haven't watched it since. Is I don't want to ruin the theater element because it really was a lot of like it was next level seeing an IMAX 3D like immersion, right? It's not going to be the same on my TV at home. It's, it's a similar not. thing to what what the uh, the problem was with with Dunkirk. Uh, mm -hmm. that. Doesn't hold up out of the cinema, and I suspect yeah. the Avatar. I, I might have enjoyed it more in the cinema, well, possibly. <laughs> be spectacle. I was bored at Dunkirk in the cinema, so I don't even want to know what it's like it at home. Oh. It's it's uh it's it's not good. Yeah. Anyways, uh, for the so, record, I have watched Avatar at home and still enjoyed it. Just uh. Yes. Of course. Right. Anyways, um, 
So so the metal that the the original you know guy in the family, Cordwainer's dad, uh, was looking for were pieces of yeah the spear the, sword. The, 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 the spear a spear and yeah. Well, it... that they use it to okay. Well, we can't attack it, but we can right. seal it in that room, and it's like okay, this this should work. This is solid, and then it's just like you idiots. I'm the house, and why do I need right. to use the door? Right. And it just bursts out, and that's a great moment. Which wasn't the plan, but I like though that they they got her to monologue, right? Yeah. So so then you know the the boyfriend can come through with the axe, and the cat can eat mm -hmm. uh, eat the the creature, which I thought was super super cool. I liked that a lot. Um, but as they're they're basically they're they're melting down all of this metal. Um, the the daughter Una, who's lost her her arm in the bombing a couple of issues ago sticks her hand into the metal as almost like a a secondary means yeah. right? like it's, it goes bad she has something that can stop this i love that she does I, it when, I just, when no one's watching and yeah. when they turn around she's got a, you know hand behind her back and she's like you're yeah. looking off the side like oop, oop, no nothing yeah but we, yep. we, we can see it sort of glowing because she's put it in the molten you know she's like a yeah, metal right. metal, so it's really warm obviously uh, right and i and i just like that shows what type of character she is. I right? think. She's... I think when no I noticed about this section is that this is the first time in the entire book where the characters inside the house didn't just feel like cookie, like presences. They they actually felt because there was one point where two of them have a conversation about like yeah. you know do they want to not be in the house anymore like you know and and yeah. Cordwainer actually talks about remembering his experience and how he got here. It's the first time they actually felt like real characters. I think. I, right. I think that's kind of notable because um, we've seen them as real characters in the real world, or some of them, right? Yes. And they were definitely characters in those instances. Mm -hmm. I think inside the house where we've seen them, they've just been resigned to their fate inside the house, and it's not until yeah. now where they're like, oh no, we can fight. We don't back. have maybe, to. Maybe we can be something else. That that they start to become characters again. I think that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh. So that is interesting because the the cast basically like I should I should actually just burn this entire planet to you know because because you know the infection has been here we have to cleanse you know it, yeah have to cleanse you it gotta cleanse it with fire we have to we have to cleanse it with uh, essentially galactic sized hand sanitizer yeah. <laughs> and then make, make a run for it yeah. but he's like ah oh, now these humans help me so he he instead of just leaving he actually rewrites the timeline and so. You know, the couple still meet each other, they still have sex, but the one difference that's happened is that a part of him, the good celestial, right. uh, seems to be in. And amusingly, the hand of the baby is still different. She's, yeah, because, she's born because she dipped the hand in, in that yeah. metal. It's like, no, that's part of her now. I can't get rid of that. Um, yeah. So she's got a hand to fight with. So this this has got a sequel down the line, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah, cool. Because the final line is, I cannot wait to teach her. So she's going to be like the. Yeah. The daughter of not only this couple but also this celestial with this extra mm -hmm. power because this metal's like infused into her arm. She, yeah. she, she could punch the demons to death. That this could actually be a really sort of straightforward just story about some sort of girl who grew up to be like a demon slayer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that, though you could do a sequel of this where it is just demon slayer girl. Uh, as, hey. as your story yeah well, and what it was could, what very straightforward in comparison don't you dare what could we compare that to what could we compare teenage girl demon slayer hmm, hmm. man I hope it gets a, a spinoff where a vampire goes to LA to start a private detective yes. that's it the head television show but for the vampire slayer I just and also it's funny that this is in, in Hill House and from what I understand about it the, the Stephen King story 
So very similar ending in the book with with how Pennywise is defeated and kind of it rewrites oh, the history. Oh. Yeah. For some for some yeah. reason I heard the thing and I'm like, oh no, this didn't it happen. Did. The thing? What are you I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I just yeah. I heard the thing. I, I said it. Um, it's, it's, it still thinks we're talking about plunge apparently. Well, well yeah. it, it and thing are both pretty, you know, basic, simple words. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. guess I just. I'm pretty sure if there wasn't something called the thing, you know, that's might have been what Stephen King named it was thing. Yeah, maybe. Right? Right? Yeah. Instead of it, but anyways, from what I understand, that the movie didn't really touch on as well as this kind of happened. So I kind of find it funny that that's one of the. This is very much the same kind of themes of good and evil at perpetual war with one another and humans kind of getting in the way. Right. Yeah. I just, I did not expect this book to be a really elaborate origin story. No. Um, Neither. Which is essentially what it is by the end. It's like, no, this is an origin story for a future book uh, for, the, for, this, for this girl. I just, demon slayer. I remember getting the first solicitation for this and being like, Oh, that could be interesting. I didn't realize it was going to be a book that I really, really enjoy. Like, um, I remember at the time I was like, well, I was into it because this is the team that did uh, a lot of Lucifer. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that book. It's phenomenal. Um, right. I can actually, at the end here, I can actually see some elements of kind of stuff mm-hmm. they did uh, late in that uh, Lucifer run um, with, mm. uh, with again, another young girl who uh, acquired some some powers, uh, godlike in that case. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I can see some kind of connective threads in thematically in their work uh, here that um, that excites me because it's like oh that was so good especially once it got to that stuff um it became you know next level uh so this here excites me to see what they do with this in the future yeah yeah uh so that, there you go uh what we're going to i mean i thought we could talk about it as a whole a little bit because i laid the book quite a bit yeah. uh I, I i did have some issues some of the flashback stuff i think in the middle of the book uh, well, still, well, obviously, establishing some of that that story is important for the sake of the the the, the end game. I do. I almost wish it was a bit more just kind of succinct and to the point with it, rather than giving it, you know, dedicating like half of issues to telling some of those stories. I don't know if we need all of that uh, in some cases, but I do kind of like how it came together with the celestial sort of backstory here at the end. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. But, well, I like how it does that, and then it again it shows how. The Celestial changes time, and, like, instead of, you know, her killing her dad, the dad agrees to get some help, mm. right? And she, she gets to be somewhat normal. And so it just, for all of her trials and tribulations, it's she's kind of is still the hero in her own story, right? Because it was through this that she got to go do yeah, and everything to set it right. The events, the circumstances are different, but the... Right. The core beats of her life, the, the, the good things, like, you know, her daughter and this relationship, right. um, they still happen. So it doesn't, right. doesn't ruin any of that for her. Right. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, all right. What are you rating it, Matt? I'm going to give this a, a um, I'll go 8.5. Car? 8.5 for me, too. Uh, yeah, I'm not quite as hard. I, I, I'm... Oh, I'll go with a straight eight, I think, on this one. But I, I, this is probably one of my favorite issues of the, of the book. Maybe my favorite issue of the book. Uh, so Yeah, I think me and Matt have liked it more than you. Yeah. The whole time, right? Yeah. Yeah, not by like a huge amount, but kind of, it's always been like a point ahead or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I uh, definitely need to get the collected when it does come out eventually um, of this one. 
this is a fun story that I think I could give to somebody that's like, huh, I like horror, um, but I'm not so much about comics. But what could you recommend? And I'd be yeah. like, here you go. Enjoy this. All right. Uh, so looking at digital first then uh, from this past week, none of which mm-hmm. I read except the, the main one we're going to sort of start with, which is yeah. the Tom Taylor deceased. Uh, what's it called again? Hope at World's End. Hope at World's Hope. End. Uh, Mouthful so, of a title. As, as, uh, so it's basically Jimmy's perspective, uh, Jimmy Olsen, of course, I'm talking about, uh, of the deceased stuff happening and him sort of noticing and taking photographs and essentially becoming a war photographer and teasing kind of what the story of this, which is a 24-part story. So obviously... 14, isn't it? Oh, sorry, 14, yes. <laughs> uh, I did the opposite in my head with the math. I, what, what I was thinking is that each one's a half of an issue's worth, even though, I mean, it's 22 pages, but it's really tw- 11 pages. pages. So yeah, yeah it's, it's like seven full traditional issues. So what I meant to say is that it's seven issues, so it's 14 parts digitally, but I ended up, doubling instead yeah and it's it's because obviously they're coming out every two weeks so it's twice a month so it's essentially one issue's worth a month yes uh i mean i am kind of excited by the the, the tease at the end here which is the uh the war the you know the anti-life mm-hmm. war which is, is setting up that's this first is just kind of an interesting one and that it is just this sort of almost tone piece of like jimmy's experience of the start of everything yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice seeing jimmy kind of stepping up you know realizing what's happening stopping them using their phones and when when clark shows up it's like why don't you use your watch i figured you have bigger things to worry about than me. yeah yeah that that was my favorite part of this is a when he slaps the phone out of cat's hand it was like no phones none i saw what it did to perry because he doesn't exactly know what this is but he knows that's bad he, he saw the pictures he saw yeah. you know because uh, obviously he's a photographer he had his camera he, he snapped some and he saw okay the the, the connected tissue was everyone was staring at a screen so let's right. get rid of that yeah, right. I, I think what maybe hurts this because again, it's half the size of an issue, right? In terms of its page count, and mm-hmm. I think what hurts this issue is that so much of it is just kind of almost like reiterating what the story of deceased is for new people who didn't read it. Because uh, right. there's stuff towards the end, especially where he's like, "Okay, and then Superman did this, and Diana became Green Lantern, and blah blah blah." You know, it's kind of just recapping a lot of stuff. It kind of is a recap, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of an unfulfilling first uh, part of the story, unfortunately. But I am definitely going to read this because it's Tom Taylor. And... It, it, it's it's a it's a recap that is a little unfulfilling. I think the moments that focus on Jimmy specifically uh, are really good and strong. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when some, after that moment, someone's like, hey, can can you handle this? Can you look after them? And he's like, yeah, I got it. And, you know, you know Clark having that trust in Jimmy is, is really nice. Um, so to have that kind of those moments are really solid and then the, the back half of the issue is kind of just deceased recap and i guess it's it's important um but it is a little bit like okay well we we already know all this so yeah it's unfulfilling sure. for us I, I'm, I'm looking forward to part two uh, it says next prelude to the anti-life war so yeah, that's, i'm assuming that's gonna be kind of this 14 parts as a whole is kind of gonna be the, the build yeah is it maybe some aftermath I I feel like it is the anti-life war uh, that, that that we're building to. I mean, is that the story in this, or is that the story in the next deceased? And this is just companion stuff to. No, it? I think he'll be in this. I think because next prelude implies to me that okay, we'll have maybe a couple of issues of the prelude building yeah. into it, and then that will be the main bulk of these you know fourteen issues. Maybe the remaining ten or so. Will well, be. and of course we should mention that on this page where he's saying, oh, so you know, tomorrow could be tomorrow could be the last day tomorrow the greatest heroes left on earth try to halt the anti-life army and we see like black adam and black manta and Mm -hmm. uh 
Someone with wings. Someone with wings. It's hard to tell who. Yeah, um, the wings look like hawk wings, but the hair. There's no helmet. Who's the big know. guy? I mean, if if he is actually big, you mean this would just be a perspective thing? But... I don't know. I'm trying to tell by the scars on his face. Because there's clearly scars running across his face. There, it, it looks like, like it almost could have been like Deathstroke. It looks like glasses almost. I almost look like Hugo Strange to me, but I don't know why he would have those scars and why he'd be that big. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll find out as we go. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I think the 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 whole point is with Jimmy going. I never thought I'd be a war photographer, mm. and so that's what this is going to be. Which, by the way, experience. Uh, he's got the uh the the, the punish Xander look. He's got the eye patch. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. just in case one Buffy reference wasn't enough for this show, there's, a, there's another one for you. Have it. Have yeah. it. Yeah. They're throwing them at you this week. Yes. Uh, so, nah, I mean, so it's okay for what it is. I trust Taylor, though, enough that I'm in for the whole thing. Like, It, even it if, feels like yeah. a, an essential part, right? Just for, in general, mm-hmm. saying it up for people who are, who are new to this. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, yeah, it's fine. Because even oh, even right. even with all these all digital first stop or we've got more books and we're not doing the digital first section, I'm going to keep reading this and keep talking about it, uh, even if it's just a small little thing, uh, right. just to go alongside the 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 main you know Ceased. second book, which is yeah. coming. Well, and also we're getting gifted. I don't know how you guys feel about Nguyen, but I really like Dustin Nguyen's art. Oh, I, I do as well. Um, oh, I want to see how he's going to handle some of the. There's a lot of people announced to be on the book over the. Uh, okay. Run of it. It's, he's not doing all. Oh, that's of a it. shame. Damn it. Um, I'm gonna see if I can quickly find a list because I de- I definitely did see like a handful of the artists. Um, so I'd I'm like not to sure see some of his zombified designs to see how that gels with his style. Um, yeah. Um, I do. I do like what his his work here is. So, uh, mm-hmm. it's it's solid. No, I like I like one. Uh, yeah. Quite a bit. Uh. Nah, it varies. I mean, sometimes he's less, less okay. or more suited to a certain thing. But okay, here yeah. we go. Dustin Wynn, Renato uh, guides Carmine Di Giannabinico, and okay. Marco Taylor. So, I mean, at least two out of those four names I recognize and like. Yeah, a lot. Let's hope the other ones are uh, <laughs> up to yeah. up to uh, stuff. Co- cover art by Ben Oliver, Francesca Martina, and Yasmin Putri. So, well, pretty covers. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I didn't read the digital first, so uh, you guys can. I only got around to reading Flash, so because I read it this week. Well, I'll start there, and then I can hammer through the rest of them yeah. real quick. Yeah. Flash is the only um, one that I was wanting to catch up on, and then didn't. Yeah. So now I have two of those to read. Yeah. Um, Flash pretty good. Yeah. It's, uh, it 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 works as a semi. I don't say semi origin, but. It it hits into Zoom and how he'll be a temporal threat, uh, and we got to see Jonah Hex because yeah, so very... Barry when he ran into the timeline mm-hmm. to get back last uh, at the end of last mm-hmm. issue, he ends up in you know the old West and you know they the, the hide it immediately you know he's there and you know cowboy hat on a horse and his face is all in shadow or he's turned to one side and yep. you're like you know the whole time who it is. But, yeah, he's oh, yeah, he's in the old west, so he he can go just help Doc Brown and Marty get back to the future. Then, since he he can get to eighty miles per hour. D- different time. They're not in eighteen eighty-five. This is before. <laughs> this is eighteen sixty-seven. That yeah. so post right post Civil War. Nice try though. I just, I just they actually, you know, he's he's like to, to John Hayes like, what year is it? Uh, uh, so yeah. it tells us straight up. 
Yeah, it's just because you said you said Old West, and I thought about the first thing I thought of was Doc and Marty trying to get the the train going up I to eight miles per hour. That's the first thing that springs to mind for you for Old West. Hey, long before I ever saw a good western, Back to the Future Three was like the one westerny thing I watched as a kid. Uh, Clint Eastwood. Hi, I, I, I mean, don't know. The, the, the... No, no, no. That's what Marty gives. Oh the yeah, as. yeah. You're right. Yeah. All right. So, um, anyway, uh, Zoom shows up and and you know spooks the horse of, of Jonah Hex. It gets thrown on top of him. He he thinks that they're cir- circus folk because of the way that they're dressed. Um, and it's just it's a nice Jonah Hex. They if they want to have Gale write a Jonah Hex digital. I'd be old for that. Yeah, because I, I, Jonah Hex is I, I, one of the characters I really want to read, and it's hard to find like a good place to start. Um, you know, you can uh, the, the New Fifty Two All Star Western yeah. uh, was pretty solid. You can jump on it. Was that. it? Okay. Uh, There's a Jonah Hex series before that as well that kind of mm-hmm. yeah you know, basically just morphed into All Star Western. Uh, you know. Okay. I'll, I'll have around. to do that. Remember, but... I, I will say, don't ever watch that movie. That I movie is, to... yeah, don't. I did last summer. I don't. Don't yeah, recommend. Really no matter Josh Brolin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyways, so uh, Barry tells Zoom that he has this Chrono device given to him by Shift, and that's that's his plan. That whatever Zoom plans to do, Barry can show up a split second before and stop him. Yeah. Zoom, of course, we just does not like that. Have a sequence of Barry running through the timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he meets the, the first boy and then you know the the last. Yeah, through. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is pretty fun. Um, yeah. He meets. You know, we have like, oh, you know, he 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 learns of uh, other flashes from other worlds, and we see him. You know, he's mm-hmm. holding Jay's helmet. Yep, ran into uh, one of him, and then a a little girl is stops him. Like, and you, know, you, you told me I have to stop you. I have to be here right now, and you know, from the future. Right. And, you know, and here you go, and gives him a, a, a Legion ring. Right. I immediately thought of XS because of the Legion tie, and then not not the version from the TV show, and how disappointing that was for me. Um, but I mean, she's giving him a Legion ring. Yeah, right? and then and then he zooms off, and she says, "Good All luck, right. Granddad." Oh man! Uh, and then he he goes off into like this Arctic wasteland. Uh, where him and uh, Zoom fight, and um, he's threatening to go visit Iris, right? And then they run through time, and you see all these different, you know, it's a really fun, uh, like spread of, yeah. of these man the the pinks and the blues with it's, the reds and the yellows. Absolutely, it's really well composited. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you have Enemy Ace on there, you have Sergeant Rock, you have Shiny Knight, and then the Demon. And I thought this was a nice bit of cultural perspective out of Gail Simone, that they're, the pieces that they keep landing in are like flashpoints of combat. Because that's another thing Barry brings up. These moments that he keeps being drawn to, he says they're almost like off-ramps in, in time, and he calls them flashpoints. Yeah, uh, flashpoints of combat. You know, if that's what we mm-hmm. use to dis- define history, you know, I hope we can do better in the future. Someday. Uh, yeah, and the idea that it's just right. Yeah, we mark history by right. all these places. I mean, even when we talk about you know Joan Hanks, oh, it was right after the uh, right after the Civil the War. War, right? Like, exactly. You know, so that's instead the, of saying that's how we mark it. 
Right. And so I thought that was a nice little piece from from her in a, you know, in a book that's just kind of fun. Right. And it's out of continuity, really, with the rest of the Flash. So but um, Zoom and, and Barry go at it and, and Iris is there and he, you know, sneakily hands her the ring to get her away from Zoom. And I thought it was a fun piece because then she floats up and then Barry just, you know, goes to town. On his face. Absolutely wailed on him, yeah. Yep. And and goes to put him back, and um, Iris floats down, and, you know, she, she kind of throws some moves on him. And she's like, you know, I'd give you a kiss, but I have a boyfriend. Which Barry's like, oh, you do? All right, well, good. you know, very lucky indeed. So it ends on a high note, but it definitely doesn't, like Connor hinted at earlier, it doesn't feel like this is the last of it. I, I right. hope there's more at some point. Mm -hmm. It feels like no, this this functions as an ending to this story. Um, right. But I want more of this flash. Uh, just yeah. Simone writing it. This has mm -hmm. been so much fun. Yep. And again, she's not ever a person like even though she's written for DC for a very long time, I never put her up there with like Jeff Johns or or even yeah, Tomasi she, that plays I mean, with history. Like she. This just shows how much DC history she just used for a she, flashbook. She, she knows it, and I think it, yeah. it says that maybe it's restraint on her part in the other mm -hmm. stuff that she does, rather than uh, incapable right. of it. And see, but now I just say that, and then I realize she put one of the Blackhawks in Birds of Prey. She did, yeah. Right. So, like, it, it's been there. It just like you said, though, she it's not a well she goes to. She usually just does original stuff. I mean, she made me care about Catman. Like, Catman wasn't a character I really had ever heard of. Yeah. And then Gail pulls him into to Secret Six, and he's a really great character. So yeah, more more of her. I think just in general, I could use more Gail writing DC again, like an ongoing or even if they're just a series of these. This was a really fun book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, this this, <laughs> this is great. I uh, I really enjoyed this. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss not having Flash next week. Well, yeah. no, I will because it'll be Jeff Parker. I'll so I'll yeah, read it. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Parker's. Flash. Yeah, Jeff Parker's pretty good. I'm actually, I, I, I've been wishing for a long time that he was on more DC work, like an ongoing or something. I, I think everyone does. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so I'll just be brief on these other ones. Uh, the Batman ones by Mark Russell. Connor pointed me that issue five was by him, but he also did issue four. So I went back and read it. Issue four was about Bruce Wayne helping bring down fellow billionaires, like via legal means, and he basically puts himself undercover and goes to jail and it all ends up being a plot by the Joker to, you know, kind of mess with, with Gotham by having them, you know, uh, he ends up breaking the billionaires out and, and whatnot. And it was, I mean, it was pretty good. It's typical Mark Russell with something to say, you know, about like, there's always that criticism of Batman. How come he doesn't do more as Bruce Wayne, like in society? This is kind of an answer to that. And he almost can do more as Bruce Wayne because as a billionaire, he's almost outside of the law and that doesn't this allow him. Not surprising at all that this is a Mark Russell story. No, right? And then the issue five is a story with, with guest starring Harley Quinn and Nightwing. And Harley straight up, you know, villain for hire, Harley. And that there's a um, mob lawyer who they found out isn't actually a lawyer. He never passed the bar, so he doesn't have client uh, privileges. 
which means when he goes to court, he can say everything about everything he helped. So the mobs in Gotham are trying to take him out. And so one of the mobs hires Harley and Batman's trying to keep the mob lawyer safe. And he, you know, ends up being a story about trust because he has to go to Nightwing and the cop that Gordon puts on, you know, to watch this guy, Gordon trust. He's like, Oh no, this guy's been a cop forever. Batman's like, can can you trust him? You know, trust is a hard thing to come by. Of course he can't. He ends up being one of the guys that, you know, uh, the, the mob lawyer was working with. And so, you know, you end up getting some fun sequences with Harley and whatnot, but ultimately it's Nightwing coming in to make the save. This sounds more traditional Batman rather than the mm-hmm. other issue that was very rough yeah. sounding, but it sounds fun. Yep. Yeah. Definitely... Like it was fine. I don't feel like in my weekly reading, because I read these kind of early in the week, like had I known if they were before, I kind of would have skipped to, to have some more time, like maybe finish Planet Heist or some more, you know, X-Men Red or whatever. But again, they were fine. Nothing wrong with them. And then uh, the last one is, oh no, I have two more real quick. Superman is a first of a two-part that Venditti's doing. That's kind of like format already. Yeah, shifting the format. Uh, it's it's awesome because Titano shows up, who's the you know the big ape King Kong like guy. Sure. Superman's fighting him through through the city, and Luther's keeping an eye on him. Um, and it turns out that Luther has put stuff in the city using Toy Man's tech that brings Titano down. Um, unbeknownst to the rest of the city. So now, like, these cameras that are at every stoplight turn into guns, which, of course, Superman's not okay with. But how is he going to, you know, deal with that? And then the Daily Planet starts running a a story about this and how Perry wants to know how anybody missed this with everything that's been going on. So, um, and Luther starts basically fighting crime with this new tech, which doesn't sit well with Superman uh, until... A um, minor robbery is going on, and they target the the guy that's kind of running out with very little cash. But as Clark, he jump uh, Clark jumps in front of the laser and takes it, and that's where it goes off. Uh, same art by um, Pelletier, which again he does a really good Superman. Titano looks great. It's just cool to see a giant gorilla attacking Metropolis. I'm and shocked Superman's- that you enjoyed that. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, again, it's decent. Again, Superman's not the, you know, the the man of tomorrow. It's not the greatest, but it's still fun Superman, especially when I don't have any right now, like any port in a storm. And this is a nice port. I, I, uh, I, I think it's funny just how many of these digital first Matt is reading right now. It's like, he keeps no. saying he wants to cut down, but because he's got less no. books right now, he's reading like, what, five digital first books that yeah. are essentially full comics? Yep. <laughs> But it helps that they're divvied out through the week, so it's not just one man. So once sure. once Wednesday hit, most of mine, like the only one that really caused problems was Flash, where I got that read in between, you know, because that camp comes cool. out on a Friday. But all the others the rest are like of Sunday, them, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. Right, so I have well, stuff I to read. Right, um, but then Swamp Thing is uh, more Mark Russell, but it's the, the company Sunderland has... Uh, you know, started an active war against Swamp Thing, and they're starting to bring in new types of weaponry. So, you know, they bring in these drones, and they drop a bomb on him, and they think they got him, but Swamp Thing just keeps shifting to the next nearest plant life. And then they bring a napalm, and it's ever-escalating 
until finally they're in New Orleans itself and they're bringing in soldiers and Swamp Thing's trying not to kill them, but also, you know, he's running trouble where the military decides to strike with a nuclear bomb uh, despite any other, you know, warnings and stuff. So Swamp Thing goes out to this this island in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico and it drops and it looks like it's at the end uh, of him. And you find out that this was all a simulation run by the government at behest of Sunderland. And Sunderland, of course, their owner is friends with the president and has donated a lot to the cause and wants the government's help in dealing with Swamp Thing. And the general that he's put in charge of talking to the guy from Sunderland is like, yeah, we ran the simulations and it always ends up bad for everybody. So you guys are on your own at dealing with Swamp Thing. I'm sorry, but as of right now, we can't do anything to get involved. Uh, and he goes to put the simulation, like to file it away in like a, in a binder. And it goes to this, this like almost bookcase locked in this vault that it's a bunch of the other heroes that they have simulations based off the same of how it's going to go. And that of course the government has plans to, to deal with all of them in case something were to happen. It's just how far do they want to get involved? Um, man, it's, it's still something that I like. This one was a little bit unconventional, I guess, because it's it's not an actual story that's going on or playing off of the cult from the last issue, which I was excited to see how Swamp Thing's in the deal with that. But I know, very, very, very enjoyable. That's it. All that's the digitals, it. Oh, that's it. Yeah, so, um, up to you guys if you want to do a little elsewhere section if you uh, have books you read this week. Um, I did not. <laughs> I read stuff. I've been playing Monster Train. I will not talk about it, but I'll let you know I've been playing that's Monster not a Train. Real, that's not a real thing. It, it is, is a real thing. It is a real thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I am tempted to get it, though, um, come payday, because it, it looks kind of fun. It, is it as fun as it looks? It is. It is. It's a bit in the easy side at first, but there's 25 difficulties, so I'm, you know... Are they kind of like uh, the Ascension levels? Yeah, they're, they're basically yeah. Ascension, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm in. There you go. All right, what do you got? What did you read real quick? Um, so I, I a couple of different things. Uh, I started working my way through the um, you know the young adult graphic novels that DC have been publishing. Mm -hmm. So I read uh, the Raven one, uh, the yeah. Mirror one, and the Cat one one. Uh, okay. Because uh, I think that's the order they were published in. So uh, the that's why I read them in that order. Um, the first two I liked a lot. Um, Raven and Mirror were pretty fantastic. Uh, Catwoman, I thought, was just okay. Um, that's uh, Under the Moon, uh, is what it's called. Um, that one uh, wasn't as strong as the other two. It it, it didn't feel the, uh, it had as strong a direction uh, at points. It just, uh, it, it, yeah, it was a little bit weaker overall, um, but not bad. Still like a perfectly fine read, but uh, the others were really strong. And then um, the only other thing I read that I actually wanted to was um, I read uh, Kieran Gillen's Three, um, which is not a typical uh, Gillen comic. This is a straight up historical kind of adventure uh, with no like supernatural bent or anything like that. There's no spin on it. it this is uh, ancient Sparta, uh, kind of right at the end of, of Sparta's reign uh, of power and kind of um, them being a power in that uh, that area. Mm -hmm. And it's a look at, you know, their, you know he, he writes essays in the back of a lot of his issues. And he, he said in the first one, this came about when he was reading 300 again at some point. Um, and he got annoyed with it. Not because it's bad, but he, he basically had been to the pub. He'd had a few drinks. And 
he was annoyed that it was, you know, oh, Sparta, you know, they're, they're this glorious defense of the West. They were the, the shield of the West against Persia. Yet they were terrible people to their slaves. Uh, and, so, and, you know, and the book kind of just doesn't mention that. Um, and pretty much right. no other depiction of Sparta in popular media does. So he was like, I, I want to do something with that um, so from the, the slave's perspective, essentially. Yeah, I, I do. I, I do have to pick apart that sentence a little bit. Uh, there were terrible people to their slaves. I mean, they had slaves. I mean, they're already. <laughs> I'm already at right, terrible. But, right, but in the context yeah. of that, that was the, the where we are in the world. Like they right, were but also worse. That gets covered up when you talk about ancient Greece. Is the the whole slavery, you know, well, yeah, like, uh, like aspect like democracy, full of slaves, but right. generally as a rule were treated better than. The Spartan slaves, which I think was the the, the point here, um, right? And I mean, don't forget, Greece was constantly at war with one another. I mean, the whole Peloponnesian War, oh, and and that's why the Spartans versus the Athenians, and this whole yeah, it's it's a whole thing. thing. It was it was a wild time. Um, but you basically you know that that you know if you if you picture the three hundred Spartans you know on on the right. mark up the mountain, and yeah. they're, they're all carrying their own shields, which not a single one of them carried their shield. They had. One or two slaves each oh, yeah, sure. carrying their slave, their, their yeah, shield. and and that's part of the problem with three hundred and culture and that whole, you know, the the macho. It's kind of glorified them. Yeah, and like yes, they were a really efficient because of their culture warrior squad, right? But at the same time, it wasn't this Frank Miller idea of them, right? You know. And that's what this this book is is essentially taking a look at the rest of their society uh, as it yeah. as it's crumbling around them essentially. Mm. Um, yeah. But it's, it's like properly well researched. Like he did genuine like hist historical research. He spoke to a lot mm -hmm. of people, like uh, professors. I have it. to read so, this. Um, How many you, issues is this? Uh, it's five issues. Five, the first okay. issue has an essay in the back of him explaining you know, kind of how it came yeah. about, and then the other four issues are actually um, an interview he did with a professor on on the subject. And it's a fascinating read. Uh, I think Matt did really. These enjoy. are, and these are available digitally. It's not like the Brubaker yeah, yeah, essays were. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and um, I think as a rule, Dylan's back matter is always included in the single issues, digital okay. or physical, but it's not usually included in the trades. In the trades. Um, okay. From uh, maybe I'm wrong on this particular one because I haven't checked, but right. that's consistent across most of his other works. I'll I'll have to look for this because it sounds right up my alley, uh, and all of that. It's. It's why I love the the Brian Wood uh, Viking stuff, uh, Northlanders, because yeah. he got into all the different aspects. I mean, the second the second story in that is about a Irish Catholic warrior fighting the government of the the Vikings instilled in in Ireland. Yeah. So it's uh, not really about the Vikings as the first one was, right? It's the whole culture around it and why it's different. So this yeah. sounds. Kind of like that. But yeah, I think you'd really enjoy this. Like I say, it's it's very much a historical fiction, uh, but it's well researched. It's as accurate right. as as reasonably can be without detracting from the story, because at the end of the day, it is still a story. Right. Um, Which it's I, uh, it's good. Yeah, I think we can learn more if you tell a narrative story using historical facts rather than trying to make it, a historical it, fact into a story. Yeah. Right. You know. So I mean. Again, Dan Brian would a lot of compliments here, but that, his whole American Revolution story and Rebels was like yeah, that, where these are, yeah, where, where these are things that have happened, but the family that he uses to tell the story through is, you know, based off of archetypes. Yeah, I, I think so if, if you're a fan of that Brian Wood historical yeah. uh, 
fiction uh, work that he's done, you'd probably enjoy this this book mm-hmm. from from Gillen. Um, so it's yeah, from like the, uh, the early 2010s, right before he you know went into Wicked Divine. Right, I'm gonna have to check this out. All right, yeah. does yeah. good, awesome. All right, well, that takes us to the part of the show where we pick our favorites of the week. Now, admittedly, it's a weird week again, only four books total of the new stuff. Uh, I, I myself only read three of them. And let's be honest, deceased is a clean, sl- clean. Why? Hold on. Yeah. Hold on a second. Where did Connor go? <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> what, let's what's not just cont- let's just cont- let's just cont- let's just cont- let's just cont- let nothing's happened. Uh, Connor's camera disappeared. Uh, and now oh, you've swapped. <laughs> and now you've swapped. <laughs> what does this bullshit? <laughs> Oh, this boy. this happened um, right before we started recording, Pete, you know, and you walked off yes. somewhere, me and Malcolm, and he was like, oh, I can't see you, your camera's not there, so I turned it off and on, um, and now I've frozen again. What is going on? I feel, I feel like... Uh... For once it's not me, and I'm happy. Yeah, I don't know what's <laughs> happening. I need to get that freeze frame there for all the thumbnails with Connor's face. I can put I can put that, that, that freeze frame there, making his kissy face. All right. Collect- can I it- can it- really see my Northlander books right there now. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it's telling me, Skype's telling me I can't connect to my camera anymore until I restart Skype. Well, you know what? It's fine. We'll just finish. We're literally at the end. We'll just finish like this. Yeah. So, anyway, favorites of the week, uh, as Matt's kind of in two windows at the same time. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, the top five books, or in this case, top four, because that's all we read. And we can also do uh, best pal slash moment, best star, and best cover. So I will ask. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I will this ask. Is so stupid. Matt, what was your panel slash moment of the week? Um, do I do do I do Killables? Do I do Plunge? Do I do Dollhouse Family? I mean, there's so many to choose from. Oh, well, it's not. There's one. Um, moment. There's one moment. <laughs> no, I know. But do I do Mary Marvel or do I do Cheetah? Like yeah. uh, okay, both both valid choices. I, I, uh, there's there's three moments from that from deceased. Yeah. So if if you want to, ju- should we just share out the three moments? From okay, deceased? go for it. Yes. Okay, so so, so I'll, I'll take Mary Marvel then, since I'm going first. Her her appearance. We don't have really, to really take different ones. We can have the same one. <laughs> we could, but we might as well just represent all three great yeah. moments at this point. Yeah. I don't know what the third one is off the top of my head. I'll probably know what you said it is though. Uh, it's uh, tree lobsters. Oh, okay, yeah. sure. Yeah, no, I'm going with Mary Marvel. Ah, the, the, the Shazam reveal was was that that, that, that hit me. The, the Cheetah moment was great. I loved the Cheetah moment. Like they're, they're both ten out of ten moments. That was my other one. Was was Good Kitty. Yeah, oh, was... Good, oh, good Kitty's right. Yeah, okay. those those are the Shiva moments. Also, Shiva ripping out her own heart to save her daughter. All right, pretty metal. Uh, best cover of the week, and of course, I'm not looking at them as I asked this. Uh, yeah. I'll go plunge probably because there's a Gary Frank. Uh, yeah, plunge variant. is pretty good. Yeah, but um, but the the regular plunge one is pretty good too. Hmm. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go with the Frank plunge. I'll, I'll I'll do that. I'm I'm just trying to trying to have a look at them. Uh. I think I just like the uh the deceased cover to be honest. The regular one. That's, that's that fine. Lot. Yeah. Too. No, no issues from me. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, best uh, art then of the week. Uh, I'll jump in and say uh, plunge. I think on this one uh, for me and yeah. my three books. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll go plunge. Le- Lieber's pretty 
I would say pretty close because it, it still is imminent, but that was up there too. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna plunge. Uh, I am gonna go with with Lieber for Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, good. Good, good, good. All right, well, rank your books then, Matt. Go. Uh, one, Unkillables. Two, Plunge. Three, Dollhouse Family. Four, Jimmy Olsen. They're all real close though. Yeah, Connor. Deceased, Dollhouse. Jimmy Olsen. And Plunge, I guess. It's always got to be the negative one, aren't they? Uh, uh, my number one is Deceased, number two is Plunge, number three is Dollhouse Family. Nice and straightforward. Okay, there you go. That has been the books. I can tell you what's coming next week uh, on the show. Now, usually this is alphabetical order. It's not this week for reasons. I'll, I won't explain it. Just, just go with us. Uh, so, next week we got The Flash 754. Justice League 45, Aquaman 49, Teen Titans 41 is also out, uh, Supergirl 41 is out, of course that's digital only, keep that in mind. Uh, we got Batman Beyond 43, Terrifics 27, also digital only, keep that in mind. Uh, Basketball Heads issue 7, Suicide Squad issue 5, uh, we got the Lolo Woods issue 5, and there's a couple of the, uh, the sort of, the, the, you know, Books of Magic 19 is out, Last God issue 7 is out, He-Man Master Universe issue 6 is out, to go, that's the sort of the, your tan- tangential books. Yeah. Uh, depending on how these these go i might not have as many um digitals to read next week that's fair so that's fair that's a lot but it means we have more juicy stuff to talk about which is nice uh i am excited right. for a few of these things i'm excited to read supergirl i'm excited to get that last issue of basket full ahead obviously i'm excited for suicide squad uh how, how... And flash you love the flash hey you're reading it too you're catching up is, is that gonna might... be caught up for the next issue maybe he is. He, we're, we're on the home stretch. He has to now because we're going to finish. Hey man, I start work at five this week, so who knows? Uh, I might come home and take a nap and not have time for Flash. <laughs> <laughs> I I can categorically say with confidence a nap will you be better for you. Yeah, probably, but you know how I roll. Yeah, like, but man, there's tons of stuff that's not better for him. So, <laughs> dude, yeah, but Bell, that's the point. One. He already does tackle ball every day. You can't do yeah. Taco Bell and read the Flash. I don't gonna, eat it every day. I haven't had Taco Bell in two weeks. Do you know what? I had I had a, a Subway delivered the other day. Yeah. Uh, first time I've had a Subway delivered, they just opened it up to delivery near me. And it's the first time I've had fast food in months of any kind. Um, go with Subway, which is well, very it's the only, fast food. It, well, no, but it's the closest thing. It's the only thing that delivers. Like, you know, I can't get KFC, I can't get McDonald's, can't get Burger King, right. can't get anything else. So but see, Subway, I wouldn't even... Because it's a sub sandwich, I wouldn't even consider that fast food. Oh, you, you know think what I mean? They're like, like they're, they're like more unhealthy than some of the others. Eh, maybe. Like they're they're, they're not they're not good for you. De- depends on what you get. Cold cut trio, you're probably better than fried chicken, Connor. Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but... I I I had Chipotle last night, and then we decided we wanted cheesecake from the Cheesecake Factory, and. Um, I'm not lactose intolerant, but I do have issues with milk. Cheesecake was not a good idea on, on top of a Chipotle burrito. Yeah, so, that, that sounds like poison to me. Yeah, you would have died. Doesn't sound like it, it literally is poison to you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. yes, that is that's been episode 203 uh, of, of the show. Uh, so we're back to more normality next week because we actually have a reasonable list of books. Uh, and then we kind of keep that going for the most part. I mean, not super busy. But, uh, yes, so that is uh, 
that has been the show. So, uh, of course, let us know what you think in the, the comments of, for any of the books. Uh, it's worth mentioning there is a new comics from the Multiverse YouTube channel where the reviews get split up and put up as individual videos. Uh, the previously stuff's been going up uh, consistently. A few things from last week's episode went up and this episode as well. Uh, the full podcast is still existing as it always has done audio and on YouTube, uh, but it is something worth checking out if you want to uh, over over there. Uh, just comments from the multiverse on YouTube. Uh, but you can, of course, like uh, the video on YouTube. It uh, helps us out a lot. It lets people know that, uh, lets YouTube know that this is worth recommending and maybe more people will find us. Uh, rate the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. That helps us out a lot. As does, of course, financially over at patreon.com slash TV. You can support us for as little as $1 per month and get some bonuses for your trouble. The $5 tier especially gives you early access to all the multiverse shows by one day, and of course gives you voting rights occasionally on a previously on book. So please do go and have a look and see if you're interested in supporting all the content that we uh, we put out. Uh, but otherwise, that is us guys on Twitter, at DC Comics Podcast, and yeah, we'll see, we'll see you next week. So uh, thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics, guys, and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. And that, that's a good kitty.